February 20th, this is the Mike Rutherford Show, coming to you from the world-famous University of Louisville College of Business Studios here in sunny and very pleasant Louisville, Kentucky. Cards fans, incubate your inner entrepreneur. Who doesn't want to incubate your inner entrepreneur? It's the only way to to harvest your inner entrepreneur is to incubate it. With UofL's top-rated innovation MBA, in just 12 months, gain the confidence and connections needed to spark your entrepreneurial spirit. Learn best practices from their award-winning faculty, serial entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, and national business leaders while also competing for thousands of dollars in startup funding in business plan competitions. Start your journey today. The first step is visiting business.louisville.edu. We're on the air today from 3.06 until 6 here on 1450 AM, 96.1 FM. Streaming all over the land, you know what's better as the Big X. Mike Rutherford here with you on a Tuesday as we get into the middle of the week here. Scooter Dingus, uh, Justin Kalen, back in the house today. We haven't done radio with Scoots in what feels like, you know, we, Scoots was basically here every day for like a month and a half. And going a couple of weeks without talking to Scoots feels like a couple of months at this point. Scoots, uh, how are you, buddy? I'm good. Yeah, it's it's been way too long. I was telling Roman, I'm training Roman here today, and I was telling him how I was doing Rutherford for like a month, month and a half straight. And then it seems like, what, two weeks now since I've been on? So happy to be back. Glad to uh, glad to be back with you, ready to talk some cards for a couple hours. I, I, I've got to bounce at five today, so you've only got me for a couple of hours. What do you have going on at five? Uh, I've got a game tonight, so I'm I'm right in the middle of my busiest time of the year. I've got 12 games to call in the next two weeks. Who is it tonight? Uh, I've got Corden at South Central. It's a Southern Indiana game. Classic rivalry, right? Yeah. Oh, it is. Harrison County rivalry. It, every Southern Indiana team. So yeah. It's a classic rivalry. Of course. Are they in the, the, the crazy, weird, stupid playoffs now? They are not. So this is the this the, this week is the last week for basketball in Indiana, and then sectional play will start next week. And 17 state champions will follow. Uh, four. 17. Let, let's not 17 exaggerate. State only, only four. Now you called... Uh, my boy David Levich in, in North Oldham last night against Manuel. Oh, yeah. How'd that go? I did, I saw you were on the call. I didn't see who won. Uh, North Oldham killed them. Look at I mean, left, kicked man. their ass. Squad. I mean, it was from start to finish, just kicked their ass. So it was not as good as the game as I was expecting, but I did have 
the awkward moment with Coach Levich, of course, we remember talking about that a few weeks ago. So you didn't know who he was on Twitter. I had to, I had to go up to him and tell him. I told him how great his hair looked. That's and, what you have to do. And then he laughed it off, and he was like, "Yeah, I didn't know." And so we we hashed it all out. We're all good now. We're back to being homies. So he yeah. actually texted me right after that. And was like, "Who is this loser?" <laughs> I believe it. Not what happened. (laughs) I brought this up on yesterday's show. So I I guess it was last Tuesday. It was right before I got really sick. It was Tuesday night, I think. Roush tweeted out a link. You were calling the Sanex versus Mail game. Uh And he's like, I'm like, that's a big one. It was a streaming link, so I could actually watch. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give Scoots a little bit of my time here on a a Tuesday night. Watch a little Sanex Mail. Here's Scoots' call game. It was the first time I've I've actually heard you do play-by-play, I think. And? One, I'll start off with this. You're, okay. you're great. You're very, very good at it. But I was shocked at how different your voice was. That's you just know, my that's just my broadcasting voice. I get excited. I'm I. I'm but giddy. it's so different. Like I, you know, usually when you talk to, I brought this up yesterday. You know, we used to have play by play guys on the show all the time. We would, you know, we had, um, you know, the opposing teams play by play guys. And we Reese Davis came on the show. Bob Costas was on the show. And you know they kind of, they, they still sound like themselves. They're, they're not inflecting. They're not enunciating mm-hmm. quite like they are during a game. But they still sound like themselves. You get on there. I, I mean, I'm expecting to hear just like an emphatic, but like still a scoose voice. And you're like, "Welcome in live to Tigers Dorita here as Say next take it on mail in a clash of seventh region powers." I was like, "Oh my god!" I mean, it, it, it was just I wouldn't have thought anything of it. If I didn't talk to you on a almost daily basis, it was just jarring hearing what I hear every single day I, I and then know. hearing that. I don't know how to describe it. It's just when a game starts, it just kind of happens. That's that's what happens. I don't know. You're like, I don't know. So you're, I should tone it down some? Is no, that what no, you're no, saying? No, no, no. It's, okay. it's good. It was just was surprising to me okay. as somebody who talks to you every day. It's very much like the, you know, the, the newscaster who talks a certain way, and then when they get on the air, it's just completely different. Like They, they turn on the big news voice. That's you turning on your big play-by-play. I mean, voice. I feel like my normal voice is way too monotone. If I just if I call a game like this, nobody'd be interested in that. You're, uh, maybe it's working for you. you. You do a really good job. I Thank was you. very I, impressed. I appreciate it. And the game, from what I watched, was it was a really competitive first it was, quarter. It was an awesome game. And I think yeah. uh, Snakes ended up winning narrowly. They did by three. Seventh region, wide yep. open. That's what everyone's saying. That's what everyone's saying. Uh, how, how have things been going for you, Scoots? I know you 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 you've got a little bit of time. I know you're, you're still busy. You're doing the play-by-play stuff. You got the hotel job, but at least you haven't been here. That's every true. single day for like 15 hours. Yeah, getting home before 7 every day has been nice. That's that, that's good. I'm, I'm glad yeah. you've gotten you've been afforded that luxury. But no, a lot a lot's changed since you saw me last. So, I gave up alcohol and soda for Lent. Hold on. Um this is big. Yeah, and on top of that, have not had fast food in 12 days. That's good. And I went to the grocery store and I've been pretty much making my all my food at home, which is if you know me at all, it's Four really big changes. This is why it's the year of love yeah. for Scoots. This Maybe is why so. I, I, Maybe you talked me into it and I decided I need to drop some LBs so I could make it happen. Is this all sparked by Lent or is it just well, some of it was just like, hey, like, I, it's time to do this? Well, I mean, it, it has been time to do this for a while. I've, I've needed to lose some weight. I needed to quit drinking. I mean, I drank every single day. So it, it was Lent was kind of just my built-in excuse, but it is something that I've wanted to do for a while. And the fast food thing was not part of the plan. It just... That just was something that kind of happened. So I'm not going to stay away from fast food, but I'm going to hang out as long as I can and stay away from it. So I've gotten to the point now where I'll still eat crappy foods from time to time, mm-hmm. but it's one of those where like now getting closer and closer to 40, 
my body just rejects certain things. Like it, it lets me know from a very early point. Like if I'm trying to put something in my body that's just not good for me, like immediately the the body's like, "What the hell are you doing, man? Like <laughs> you, you're too old for this." And so I've gotten to the point now where like I just certain foods that I used to love, like a lot of fast food, just they don't even sound appealing to me anymore, just because I have that natural instinction where it's like, just Ugh. like no, it's not going to be good. You're going to be sick for like. You're going to feel like a gigantic donut for you know, two days. I can kind of understand that because one of the ladies here in the studio today, she had got Taco Bell for lunch, and she comes up to me and she's like, hey, I got too much. Do you, would you want to share any of it with me? And I just looked at her and I was like, I haven't had fast food in 12 days. I'm not going to waste it on Taco Bell. Yeah. Look, like, good for you. I mean, maybe if it was Chick-fil-A, I would, I would venture out and have some, but yeah, not for Taco Bell. Gross. Wait, way to stand strong. Thanks. Way to hold strong. Yeah, Chick- we do do Chick-fil-A, but Chick-fil-A doesn't make me feel that, that as gross as a lot of stuff. I mean, it makes you feel great. Yeah. The Lord's chicken. I kind of enjoy it. But, I mean, I so I've definitely been in a place where I need to to lose a little bit of poundage. Um, you know, when I first got the, dealt with the long COVID stuff, like two years, like, I got way too scared. Like, I couldn't eat. And, like, they, yeah. The, the first sign that something was wrong was I lost, like, 10 pounds without doing anything different in, like, a week. Nice. No, but like it, it is one of those where you're like, cool, but also this is probably something you need to talk to your doctor about. I, I don't think this is normal. Like I'm not doing anything differently. I'm eating the same foods. I'm doing the same, like you know, I'm taking the dog for a walk and that's kind of it. And I, I should not just be like hemorrhaging weight at this point. And so, I mean, I got down to like 147 or something ridiculous to where like I was wasting away, like couldn't fit in and clothes anymore. I mean, you're only 5'8", so that's probably about the right weight, right? 5'10". <laughs> and a half, technically. <laughs> don't look at my IMDb page. The, the five, five and a half is still there. I'm assuming it is very funny. But I, I, when I, 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 so you know, it was one of those things where I was like, well, if, if something good can come out of this, I needed to lose a little bit of weight anyway. But I start putting the weight on like normal, and, and like I, I go past where I'm supposed to be, and I'm like probably 15 pounds more than I need to. But getting sick again this past week and having the flu, I didn't eat for like two days. Mm. And so I did drop like five or six pounds naturally. And I was like, maybe this will be a nice little start to like, let, let's start eating a little bit better again. We can. So I've been trying to do better the last couple of days. I Your voice that. sounds better today. It, I was it, listening a little bit yesterday. It was a little, little rough. It was. It, it's, you know, if I had, had, had been, like, I felt good enough to do the show on Saturday and Sunday. Like, if I had to, I would have, but I would have sounded like I felt awful, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's still it's still coming around a little bit, but yeah, it's it's better today than it was yesterday. Hopefully, it'll be better tomorrow, and then we'll leave for Disney, and we'll see what happens. My poor wife is still dealing with; she had like post flu uh, double ear infection, mm. which is terrible, and she's worried about like flying and all the stuff that. Comes are the along kids with over it. it at least? The kids are the, the, the kids now. I think are back to being totally fine. Like the last two days, they've been they're still taking their antibiotics, but they've been like John has been fine for a few days. Virginia, I think, is back to full strength, which now, is good. Genia knows you're going to Disney, right? She does. Okay. John doesn't. I mean, John doesn't really understand the concept. Correct, of, like yeah. we've we've talked to him about it. He kind of gets it, but like Mickey he's, Mouse. John is going to. I mean, I. John's going to scream the entire plane ride. <laughs> I'm already preparing myself for it. The kid's a screamer to begin with. He's becoming. He's he's developing the classic little sibling tendencies. Like very much is like the pestering the bigger kids, pestering his sister, and then when she like yells at him or like touches him, he he, he flops and cries and he's like, "Didn't you push me?" You like, know. So funny you bring that up. I had a situation at the hotel on Sunday where there was these two little boys. They were probably, I don't know, if I had to guess, maybe three and six. And then there was an older girl. She was probably about eight. And they were standing in front of the desk. And the the littlest boy was behind the grandpa. And the little girl 
the eight-year-old comes up and just shoves this three-year-old like as hard as she can. He falls to the ground, starts crying, and he goes up to the grandpa. She pushed me. I was inches away from telling the grandpa just how much of a little brat she was. Yeah, that's too much. I I wanted to be like... I was so close to looking at her and being like, "Why'd you do that? That was so mean." Yeah, like he did nothing to you. We like, kids e- are so rude sometimes. Every now and then, like Virginia will push like too hard and get like it, it's almost always justified. I mean, we still yell at her because you, you can't push like somebody who's smaller than you or like right. you know kick him or whatever. But it's usually one of those where like he is just like will not leave her alone. She's like, "John, move, please," and he's like, he's like right in her face, like "John, move, please," and he's like grabbing her toys and stuff. As long as she's saying please, I yeah. think it's all good. And finally, at a certain point, she's like, "Okay, well, here comes the beast." Manners like, aren't working, so yeah. Let me- which you know, as they, I had a little sister who definitely liked to poke the bear at times too, and I, like, I feel like I would try. I'd be like, "Please, please stop, please stop," and like if she was eventually like, you know what, you're getting. Charlie horse, boom! Sorry, it happened. Or pee in your toothbrush. Well, cup. that's 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 more of a you method. That's <laughs> that, that, that was not my method of being an older brother. That was that, that's how you handled things. But yeah, it's but but John, he's definitely a crier and a screamer when he's not getting exactly what he wants. He's fine with me, but when mom's around, like he just will. will so I'm, I'm fully expecting the plane ride to be a disaster because he has no idea what he's getting in for. His ears are gonna pop. He's gonna freak out about it. Now, does this trait come from mom or dad? I don't think either one of us were really mm. big. Like, like I, I was definitely not a big crier growing up. I don't know how Mary was growing up. I don't think she was either. So I, I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm not sure. But the plan's going to be bad. I, I, I'm concerned about that. And you'll be the embarrassed parent. Where what is it, like, like an hour and a half? It's going to be quick. I mean, I don't know how long. The, the, the I think it's a little bit longer than that. I, I mean, just count your blessings. When I was like one, one and a half, my mom took me to Germany. Oh god! Which was a 12, 13 hour flight, and I cried the whole time. That's insane. Yeah, two, so it's yeah. A, it's two hours and five minutes nonstop flight. So that you know you can do anything for two hours. We'll be able to get through it. I've been on flights with crying babies before, where it's you know everyone. Tip. I think that most people understand, like especially when you're flying to Orlando. Like you, you know what you're getting in uh, oh, for. That sounds horrible. Yeah, I, I'm assuming that we won't be the only people on the flight with relatively small children, so it probably won't be the only ones making noise. And Virginia, I don't think really understands the whole con- like what the the, the plain concept is. She's but never flown. She's never flown. We've never flown with either of the kids before, so we'll see how it goes. Uh, yeah, we we like find the all sorts of stuff you don't you, that you don't think about. We had to get this like big travel bag for the the stroller that we're taking down there and all this stuff. And it's just. Mm. It's a, I'd have probably just bought one when we got down there. Yeah, I mean, it's <laughs> honestly not a terrible idea, <laughs> but we're doing what we have to do. So we're getting ready for that. We're making all plans and trying to get work stuff uh, set. Did you uh, did you have any time to watch any of the college troops last night, or what was your what was your Monday night like? Uh, so when I got home from the game, it was almost ten o'clock, and I had one thing on my mind, and that was to watch the last 15 20 laps of Daytona I, I kept so forgetting it was I last did. night yeah so that's what I did last night it was a it sounded a great wacky finish yeah I, I so I I kept forgetting that Daytona was going on until I would get on social media and I would see people talking about it and I I, I don't follow NASCAR racing at all so I, I had no idea but people were like acting like every NASCAR race when it comes on I see this, I've like three or four people that I follow that are like acting like it's the the craziest thing in the entire world every single race but this did <laughs> sound like it was a pretty wild finish yeah it was there was what I think 20 plus cars involved in the the big one as they call it with what eight ten laps to go something like that so yeah it was, it was pretty nuts who won jimmy johnson uh no a guy who grew up playing on a simulator 
Do you know who that is? I no. William Byron. I've literally never heard of that person. He the Lord. He for legit got started on simulator racing. He never raced growing up. All these guys that are in NASCAR grew up racing. Except for William Byron. He was just a computer racer and got good enough where he could do it in real life. That's nuts. And he won the Daytona 500 last night. I feel like we're going to hear more of these stories as time goes on with the yeah. the improvements in technology. Like Every now and then you'll hear a story about... Like, there have been a couple of golfers that have made it to the PGA and, and who are like, I primarily got better through YouTube training videos. Mm-hmm. Like, like that. That's how I worked on my swing. I think you're going to see more and more stories like that where it's not by traditional means. It's not the standard trial and error. I came up through the whatever the youth ranks are. It's like I, I did more of the, the, the technolo- technological training yeah. growing up. No, his, his post-game interview is really cool because he, he even addressed it. He was like, yeah, I, I was a girl asked him. She was like, how, how are you feeling? And he was like, this is so freaking cool. He was like, I grew up playing on computers, and now here I am winning the Daytona 500. So it was, it was awesome. Have you ever been to a NASCAR race, Scoot? I have not. No, that's one of the few sporting events that I have not attended, which – if I go to one, it's got to be Bristol. Like, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It has to be Bristol. So, perhaps maybe I'll go to the Bristol night race this year. I don't, I don't know. Okay. I, I can't think of any other sports that I haven't been to. I mean, I've, I've seen them all. Other than, like, wrestling. But that's entertainment, not sports, right? Uh, well, thank goodness Trevor's not here. But <laughs> I've been to that, too. I, I, I've never been to NASCAR. I've heard great things about it. I've been to, I went, went to the Indy 500 a few years ago, which was great. Same type of thing. Yeah, I'm trying to think of if there's not, like... I, I've been to NBA, NFL, MLB, college basketball. College. I mean, I'm trying to think if there's a big. Like, I've never been to like a a big boxing match. Never done that or yeah, UFC. I wouldn't want to do that. I went to UFC last year. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I don't have much interest in that. I'll oh, go was, to a boxing. It was match. a blast. But yeah, college hoops last night was first of all big X, big bets. Boom, nailed them. Nailed them. Come on, nailed them. Um, we had who, who? First of all, who's the other guy who was in here with, with Roman yesterday? At the end, Trey, uh, was it was it Trey? I mean, Trey was here. Not not Trey, not not Trey Ryan. Uh, the other guy that was in here, whoever it was, he nailed. Uh, he, he was like, uh, he's like, what do you think about Pine Bluff? Or I mean, William and Mary tonight against Charleston. He's like, give me the layout and the rationale. I was like, eh. I was like, I think you might be onto something. Boom, he nailed that too. So I was like, thanks for that. So I guess it was Trey's roommate, Deshaun. Okay, Deshaun. Yeah, did not. Yeah, it, it just he kind of just came up. He was like, hey Mike, what do you think about this? And I was like, I like your your reasoning. Boom. <laughs> So that he he uh, I put a little money on the tribe to cover the eighteen and a half last night. Bill and Mary's terrible this year, but I was like, man, it's, uh, did you bet on our guy TJ? Uh, TJ is the way we bet on TJ, which was a kind of a a little bit of a fluky cover. It was the game of the night last night. Number six uh, Iowa State on the road taking on number two Houston, and I was like, I think eight and a half. It was nine when we started talking about it, but eight and a half is where it closed when we were doing our picks. I was like, I think it's too much. Iowa State's been a good road team, and they they, they did they covered. <laughs> they, they covered, and honestly, if you watched that game last night, Iowa State would have won if they had the the all, the all American on their side. Like Jamal Shedd was the difference last night for Houston. Uh, both teams played fantastic defense. It was, I guess, if you want crazy fun offense, it, the first half certainly was not for you. It was like uh, there'd been like thirteen total points scored in the first two segments. But Iowa State, they play that. Both teams actually play that same that no middle defense. Which, if you've heard of it, you've probably, I think it's kind of gotten a little bit more notoriety in recent years because Chris Beard at Texas Tech and then at Texas and now at, at Ole Miss sort of made it famous where you just, you used to, people would always say growing up, you would force ball handlers to the baseline, you wanted to force them to the baseline. Like they 
keep everything out of the middle. They don't care what you do. They're not letting you get the ball into the middle of the, of the defense. And, and their entire philosophy is based on that. And it works. And I, and I hope that whoever we hire as the next head coach here, I would love to see that be his basic defensive philosophy because I, I think it, it's the best new style of defense. Pack line is, is certainly effective when done right. But I think you, you see some deficiencies with teams that try to mimic what Tony Bennett does at Virginia. It's very hard to duplicate. This is it's a pretty simple philosophy. It's tough to execute. Everyone has to be on the same page, just like you, you are with the pack line. But I think this is easier for kids to understand. And so both teams played at World Well last night. But in the second half, like Jamal Shedd just made ridiculous shot after ridiculous shot. I think he scored 20 of his 26 points in that second half. So I'm still in on Iowa State. Like I, I, th- I think that they have a legitimate threat. You, you have to always say this. It always comes with this disclaimer. It, matchups matter. Draw matters. All, all that stuff. But they could absolutely be a Final Four team with, with a couple of breaks. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're a a fluky 2-3 seed that's going to get beat in the first round. I think Otzelberger's a very, very good coach. They don't have great talent, but they've got enough to, to to be competitive with just about anybody in the country. What they don't have, though, is an All-American, and that was on full display last night. Houston was nails. Uh, they got the job done at home, but it was a very entertaining game for the most part. Um, 73-65 was the final. The other thing that was maybe talked about more from last night was, was not a great game at all, and that's kind of the story in and of itself, is Virginia just gets... Jeez. Taken to the absolute woodshed. And that was, you know, I was reading the line, and at first, yesterday at the end of the show, I was thinking that Virginia was favored by three and a half, and I was like, I, I like Tech to win this game. And then I realized that Tech was actually favored by three and a half, and I was like, I'm still taking the Hokies, and I, I think they're going to cover. Easy I did go. not think they were going to win by 34, but Virginia Tech hammers Virginia. There, there was a 20-0 run at one point for VT. They led by 20 at the half. They, they, you know, they win 75-41. It was the second worst ACC loss ever for Virginia, not just in the Tony Bennett era, but the second worst ACC loss ever for Virginia, who is you know, very much on the NCAA tournament bubble right now. Um, they've, got, they've got a significant issue right now, which is the fact that they have just stopped being able to score at all. And I, I know no one thinks big offense with Virginia, but they're usually efficient enough that you know, they're, they're scoring in the 60s in, in a low possession game, and they're doing things. Um, so, so you know, so they're going to one up. They have just 47, 49 points in their win over Wake Forest over the weekend. So 90 points in two games combined. 90 points in two points, which, by the way, they had no problem scoring against us in, in both both games. 77-53 and 69-52. Yeah. We, we, I mean, I'm sure they were the most efficient offense in college basketball in both those games because that's, that's who we are. That's what we do. But they have just a total inability right now to put the ball in the basket, and that's not exactly ideal for a team that is playing its way closer and closer to the, uh, you know, the wrong side of the NCAA tournament bubble as time goes on. I I think also last night, like seeing what Virginia's done recently, uh, Lenardi currently has them as a nine seed, but that's, that's dropping and and they've got a tough schedule coming up. I think, I think I don't have the schedule in front of me. Let me see if I can pull it up real quick. I think they played Carolina and Duke. Yeah. They, 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 they ended the regular season with North Carolina and Duke. It's two of their last four games. And you lose both those and then you drop, a questionable game against BC on the road, which is certainly very possible, or lose at home to Georgia Tech, God forbid, and all of a sudden, you know, you're looking at last four out, and maybe having to do some damage in the conference tournament. But seeing the results that you see in the ACC every night, it's hard not to walk away and and, and just ignore the fact that this conference 
is, I, and this is kind of like a basketball Benny term, astastic, I believe, is the actual, the, the, the basketball pros term for what the ACC is right now. It's an astastic conference. It's just, it's not good. And this is as bad as the league has ever been since we've been a part of it. And the fact that we're dead last by ourselves, just to, you know, if you can't laugh, you cry. It, it makes where Louisville is right now all the more frustrating because these last three years, and I, I know that the ACC has sort of saved face in the NCAA tournament by having some teams make some good runs. Miami goes to the Final Four last year. Uh, two years ago, Carolina and Duke both make the Final Four, and Miami makes the Elite Eight after it had been kind of a disappointing season. But this is still, like, the last three seasons, we've had a league where you're not even flirting with getting eight, nine, ten teams like you used to. This is That's become a thing that the SEC and the, the Big 12 and, and the Big 10, to a lesser extent, have been talking about. You know, They're flirting with getting double-digit teams. They're getting eight, nine guaranteed teams. They have two or three teams at the top that are top-tier national title contenders. The ACC has not looked that way the last few years, and Louisville has been in not just not a position to capitalize, but they've been a big part of the reason why the league has been so bad. And it just sucks because I, I feel like when we get this thing going again, like, you know, Duke's going to get better. They're still getting players under John Shire. And if John Shire can't get it done with those players, they'll bring in somebody very quickly who can. Carolina's not going to, to you know, they're always going to have talent. Tony Bennett's either going to get this thing fixed or he's going to to make a gigantic change that I think will get Virginia back. And some of these programs that have just been middling for a while, they're going to get things going. Like They're going to be better than they have been. Everyone's trying to get to the same place. So it's not just like, I, I just feel like we've let we've squandered a gigantic opportunity to kind of not, not rule the league, but win some conference championships. Be you know win a regular season title. We haven't won anything in this basketball conference since we joined it. No regular season titles. We haven't even played in the Friday night semifinal yet. It just feels like this was a nice little opportunity to cash in if we had made the right hires or had the right things happen. And instead, here we are. You know, we're going to play on ACC tournament Tuesday for the third straight year. So. That sucks. Sucks, Scoots. The one other thing that really caught my eye last night, did you see the score in the Minnesota Wild game? I did not see the score in the Minnesota Wild game. You didn't? No. What was it? 10-7. to No. Probably the highest scoring hockey game I've ever seen in my entire life. 10-7 Wild Canucks. Yeah. Jeez. No, I did not see that score. Yeah, so my first or only hockey game actually was – Pittsburgh Penguins, Tampa Bay Lightning. Nice. And I thought that was a super high-scoring game. It was 8-6. to 10-7 to seven puts that to shame. It's funny you say that because the very first hockey game I ever went to was uh, Av- Avalanche Predators in Nashville, uh, and it was 8-5. And I think Peter Forsberg set a franchise record for points in a game. He had like two goals and I think five assists, which was crazy. And I was thinking that was wild, too. I want to st- say that the Wild had three hat tricks. Last night? Yeah. Do they really? That's yeah. insane. Isn't it? I think that's right, yeah. I'll look into the, it. The Wild aren't even that good. Yeah. No, they're not that Joel good. Joel Erickson. Um, Kaprizov. And somebody else. Yeah. It's nuts. Franchise record. Tied the franchise record with six points for the Wild. They had a three-goal deficit in the second period before storming back with six unanswered goals. That's, uh, that, that's nuts. Isn't that crazy? 10-7. It's almost hockey playoff time. Hockey overs have been ridiculous lately. Have they? Yeah. Yeah, they have. I didn't know that was the thing. Scoring's up. Scoring is up. I need the the Lanch to, to keep scoring down because the Lanch are... Oh, wait. They played uh, Tampa Bay. I'm a Lightning fan. Who won that one? Uh, they lost to Tampa Bay. Hell uh, yeah. That's la- right. That was last week. Suck um, it, Avalanche. Yeah, 6-3. It was 3-3 in the third period. And they, they gave up three goals. 
Uh, they beat the Coyotes their last game, but they uh, the Lanch. I'm I'm concerned about the defense. They the the goaltending is is subpar. We got by with it a couple of years ago. Mediocre goaltending and still won the Stanley Cup last year. It bit us in the playoffs against the Kraken, and this year, like they're we're, we're scoring enough. We're finally getting healthy, but we we're allowing too many goals. There's no question about it. We got to get right here. Uh, let's take our first break. When we come back, we can talk about the. The big news of the day in the world of Cardinal sports, which is the TBT is coming back to Freedom Hall. We've got a couple of former UofL players that are already signed up for this summer's event. We've got some general Louisville basketball stuff to talk about. I've got a general college basketball question that I want to get Scoot's thoughts and your thoughts on the Thornton's text line at 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Tuesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Back in Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. A little basketball in action tomorrow. You have a chance to, if you, you know, for some reason have a Wednesday off in the middle of February, you could pull a Cardinal double dip tomorrow. Louisville baseball home opener tomorrow, 3 o'clock is the first pitch out there at Jim Patterson Stadium. The Cards hosting Xavier. Uh, looking to get bounced back after a rough 0-2 opening weekend. And then Louisville men's basketball taking on Notre Dame. And a game where the cards will probably be favored in. 7 o'clock is the tip-off at the KFC Yum Center. Could just be the second time in the Kenny Payne era that Louisville's been favored in an ACC game. And potentially, and you know, who knows what happens, maybe Kenny Payne's last win at Louisville. You don't know. But be there to celebrate the magic. It's all going down tomorrow. Going down right now is this. We need our coaching candidate of the day. We've we've fallen behind. We did two yesterday to try to pick the pace back up after missing a couple of days last week. So, Scoots, I need a number one to two hundred. Oh man, you're giving me a wide window. here. Wide window here. Um, let's go with. I'm trying to think of a number that means something to me. Let's go with the birth year, eighty nine. Eighty nine. Okay, I like that. Um, okay. All right. This is, this is a doesn't sound good. No, it's fine. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's an interesting name. He's done a good job at this place. It's a it's a very difficult place to win, and you know this as an Indiana fan. But Steve Peichel at Rutgers, oh yuck! Hammering nails, spent a, 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 like a decade plus at Stony Brook, got them to the NCAA tournament, lost to Kentucky, gets the job, parlays that into the job at Rutgers, has taken them to the NCAA tournament uh, now a couple of times. They. I mean, winning record every year but the first couple. Never great, but Rutgers is a tough place to be great at. Maybe he just needs a bigger challenge. Maybe he just needs a bigger challenge to go and be great. Um, you know, they finished 39th at Ken Palm last year. Had a good team. They're, I guess, technically on the NCAA tournament bubble right now, certainly on the wrong side of it. Projected to finish this year 16 and 15. They're 14 and 11 right now, 6 and 8 in the conference. They got a major opportunity to, to notch a quad one win on Thursday when they go on the road and play a wounded Purdue team. But Steve Peichel at Rutgers, I'm hearing there's palpable buzz between Josh Hurd 
and Steve Peichel, mutual interest there. He's on the list now. He, he's another guy that wants to trade in the Rutgers red for Louisville red. That's right. He does not like the not the right shade of red the for Scarlet. Him. He's ready for the Cardinal red. That's right. Yesterday we had a, a classic double: Brian Earl from Cornell, <laughs> and then Danny Hurley from UConn. Whichever you know, two different styles, different tastes. Some people like uh, some, some people like Hurley. Some people like Earl. What's a UConn in the net? One? Uh, they're two. Oh, okay. They they well they, I think we used Ken Palm yesterday. They were two. I think they were four in the net coming into the weekend. They are now, they're still four, which is ridiculous. I mean, they call them. Houston's one, Purdue's two, Arizona's three, UConn's four. But God, on Ken Palm, UConn is two. Can't wait for a month from now just to be laughing my ass off at Purdue. Can't wait. Are you? Is there a part of you that's nervous right now? No, absolutely not. You think they that, you they think lost fra- to Ohio State that didn't have a coach, Mike. You think full-on fraud watch again? Absolutely. They will not make it to the Elite Eight, I promise. Okay, I was gonna say because that's the you know, if you want to say they're not Final Four, like okay, but you're saying you're saying out, out in the Sweet Sixteen, out in the that's Sweet Sixteen, as far as they get. I like Lance Jones. I think he was a good addition for them. Mm-hmm. I think he's a little bit of a game changer, but the other guards are kind of the same. Braden Smith's really good, but he's still really small, and he's. I, I think you saw in the Ohio State game, like what it comes down to for Purdue, to me, is if you get an officiating crew that's willing to let a team just beat up on Zach Eady and not call a ton of fouls, like you can beat Purdue pretty easily. Like, like Ohio State was just hammering him in the second half, and they weren't calling anything. And Purdue's got no pivot at that point. Like the, Jones hit a couple of big shots, but their guards, they look like they did in the Fairleigh Dickinson game, where it's like, I don't, what do we do here? I've got no idea. So I think that's what it comes down to, is if you get the right officiating crew that's not going to just give Zach Eady a bunch of calls because he's bigger than everybody else, which is probably the, the right way to do it, they're they're vulnerable. For sure. Well, I mean, it, it has to be the officiating crew because Zach Eady, and I think I've said this before, but he's just officiated so much differently than everybody else in college basketball. Well, if you four. watch him set screens, every single screen he sets is a moving screen. And it never, ever gets called. Ever. Drives me nuts. And he does the thing when he's backing down in the post, he'll like lean down, throw his shoulder into the chest of a defender. That's an offensive foul every time, but it never gets called. Yeah, that's pretty much every post guy. I don't know. Edie's different. He's he ticks me off. Coming from an unbiased source. By the way, I was watching not the game this weekend, but Purdue's last game, and they have a kid on the bench that's taller than Edie. Have you seen him? Big white kid. Yeah, he's huge. And this has kind of become the thing. I mean, that you know, they had harms before uh, Edie. They, they they love the if you're a seven foot two guy, like they're going to like Purdue's going to to come after you. Doesn't matter if you can play at all. I think Matt Painter just looks at you and is like, okay, like we'll make you into a monster here. Um, I mean, they, they've got what the, the, the first kid is, is tall on the team right now, but who's the other kid that's seven foot? Uh, that plays? Will Berg. He's from Sweden. Yeah, he is not seven two. That kid's taller than Edie, I promise. Well, he's listed at seven two. He was they were standing next to each other during a timeout and he was he was an inch or two taller. He's ridiculous. Uh, can't wait till he dominates. I mean, this is what they did. They're going to the Notre Dame school. Remember, Notre Dame used to always have like the same generic, like six foot seven, six foot uh, six, like bulky white guy. Mm-hmm. They had like just Heron Goaty after Heron Goaty right. every single year. They just like, and then like Bonzi Colson came in and was like, okay, I'll, I'll be the same type of player. Like they just had that guy every single season, and uh, it's annoying. And now Purdue's kind of doing the exact same thing with just gigantic dudes who look like they belong in Game of Thrones. I saw a uh, meme last week on Facebook, or it was a video actually. Of uh, the 
I don't know if he's still alive, but it was an eight foot three guy, world's tallest man walking around in Turkey. And somebody quote tweeted it and just said, Matt Painter, book me a ticket to Turkey. Yeah, that's uh, it's the, it's the, it's an easy joke, but it's it's a good one. It, it makes sense. Like the, all those guys, they love it. They love Purdue. Something in the air in West Lafayette that just tall people gravitate towards. I don't know maybe, what it is. But maybe it doesn't going. smell as bad when you're that high up. Maybe. When you're my height, Lafayette stinks. Uh, Literally. Speaking of your, your your bias in the subject, Indiana sucks, Scoots. Oh, God. This is, They're horrible. <laughs> this, horrible. This, is, this has been a, horrible. Rough, a rough go of it. Where do you stand on the the, the Mike Woodson Jesus. warm seat? Like, you know, he was the toast of the town just a, you know, a, a small time, small bit of time ago. And now you're sitting here and you're like, eh, you know, he hadn't done a whole lot really big picture wise. And we kind of suck this year. Where are you on the your feelings for the head coach at the moment? I have regurgitated this so many times the last couple of days. And I'll tell you the same thing. And maybe you can make it make sense for me. But I don't blame Mike Woodson for any of Indiana's struggles. I okay. mean, maybe he can be blamed for a few things here and there. But I don't think big picture anything Woodson's done has been bad. I mean, when I was watching that game on Sunday against Northwestern, the embarrassing, embarrassing loss to Northwestern, who Mike Woodson's never beat, by the way, 0-4 against Northwestern. Not really sure how that's the case. It's not but, an ideal record. Yeah, not an ideal record at all. But, I mean, that game, Indiana went, I think, 12-21 of 21 from the free throw line. They missed five, six, seven, eight wide open threes from guys that are normally making those shots. So, at that point, what's the coach supposed to do? Like, how, how is it his fault if guys aren't making shots? That's the one thing I just really don't understand. Now, there are areas where you can give him blame. I mean, Northwestern had 14 offensive rebounds, which absolutely killed Indiana in that game. So maybe some of that falls on him. But open shots, I mean, you, you, you left nine points at the free throw line in a game you lost by four. I just I don't know how that's Mike Woodson's fault. So I'm very much still on the Mike Woodson train. I love Mike Woodson. He can stay as long as he likes. I just need to start seeing some consistent wins. Injuries have. And uh, injuries. Yeah, uh, injuries uh, too. Affected the season adversity sure. for sure. I still think when you look at that roster, there's no excuse for them to be this bad. Well, like, I mean, that's the thing. When you watch Indiana, they're they've got guys. There's and Woodson said this today. He met with the media, but this team plays so well in spurts. Every single game you watch Indiana, they'll put up two, three, four minutes of really good basketball, beautiful basketball. You're like, where's this been all year? And then they just lose their heads and forget what they're doing out on the court. I feel like if they'd had a healthy and fully effective Xavier Johnson for the full season, it would have been a little bit different because he's a player. I mean, he's been and he's like that six-year guy that has been good for. I mean, he was killing us at Pitt back like four or five years ago. See, I like Xavier Johnson too, but I mean, even he's had a lot of moments when he played this year that were like head scratching. What right. are you doing, dude? But you you look at him and you you've got Mbako, the star freshman. Yeah, I've come is, around on Mbako. He's playing lot. well. He's yeah. playing well for them. Uh, Malik Renault is is very good. Um, Khalil Ware is a very good big man. Like there's just there's too much on this roster for them to be this bad. I, I think it's a. It, but do you think that's a coaching issue? Well, yeah. At that, I point. mean, how, like, delve into that for me. Like, let me know how that's a coaching issue because well, you've got a lot of good players and they have come together to form a bad team because they don't make shots. Well, you've got to make terrible sh making shots. I love your point because as I've said many times on this radio show and prior radio shows, and it's it's controversial take. You got to make shots. You, you just you, you got to. It's a key part of basketball. Making shots is paramount. So when you don't make shots, you're gonna have a bad time. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you've. I mean, like, it's kind of the same to a on a much much smaller scale. 
the Louisville argument, where you look at the talent that you have on this team, and every now and then you see like Trey White goes off in a game, and Sky Clark looks like a the, a guy who was a five star recruit coming out of high school. Brent Holly Hatfield has looked like an NBA guy at times, and, and you see all the Tyler Johnson flexing as a freshman and all this stuff. And then you look at the, the the record, and you're like, oh, they're eight and eighteen. Like at some point, that has to be just attributed to poor coaching and a poor system and a lack of game planning, lack of motivation. Like this IU team, like they just go through. Like you said, there are spurts where they look really good. We saw it in the Louisville game. Like they looked terrible for a long time, and when they when they turned it on, there was nothing Louisville could do. Like you just. It's not you. You can say it's not entirely coaching, but you can't just say like there's nothing Mike Woodson can do. That's he's he's paid very handsomely to do something with that. Yeah, I just I mean at this point I just I don't know what else he can do. You you just can't miss Coach nine better. free throws like that. You can't miss open shots. I just I don't know. The the one thing I can attribute to him is maybe the hustle. The team just doesn't hustle like they should, and that well, yeah, directly directly led to the 14 offensive rebounds for Northwestern. I mean, you cut that number in half. Allow them maybe seven offensive rebounds. Indiana wins that game. They, they they're not very good. No, they're not, and it hasn't been very. Now, I was I was venting to Gill about it this weekend because it's it's so frustrating because this is a team that I should absolutely love, right? I mean, with all the talent, the guys on this team, I should love this team. I freaking hate this team. Well, say, every you, time I watch well, this team, good. I freaking That's, hate them. <laughs> they're they're not good at basketball. It's kind of hard to to fall in love with a team that sucks. So I'm not going to fault you for that. Yeah, they they got good talent. They're 98th on Ken Palm. They're they're not even remotely flirting with the NCAA tournament. So I don't. I'm no. not going to blame you for hating this team. They they seem as an outsider, as a team that I would not like if they were were my favorite. Team they're, I mean, they're just frustrating, and that's why I don't think it's Woodson's fault. I just, I just think that's the psyche of these guys. I don't know if it's bad roster management putting these guys together. I mean, in theory, coming into the season, it looked like it was going to be okay. But are you but now then, in a position where like if he assembles a roster that gives similar hope? going into next fall and the team is again like you know sort of a 500-ish team are you then kind of like okay this maybe this isn't working out yeah does this set the stage yeah. for you to put some pressure on Mike Woods I mean look Indiana fans as a whole are already on that page and I, I'm just one of those ones that is I'm gonna hold I'm gonna hold out see what can happen next year but I, I mean I just think Indiana has struggled pretty much the entirety of my life because of the inconsistency at the top we, we cannot continue rotating coaches in and out the door just not going to work. I, I I understand that, and I hear a lot of Indiana fans say this, where it's like we can't just get frustrated with guys after four years and just keep going, just keep going, just right. keep going. But at some point, like, when have you seen enough? I mean, it's like Tom Crean was given a a lengthy stay, right? Mm-hmm. He was there for Too over long, yeah, yeah, probably. I mean, it was, uh, I, I, and I understood the issue with Tom Crean, like, it was very much the the like the, the Mark Richt thing at Georgia. Where people would say, you know, you're winning nine, ten games, eight games at Georgia every single year. How could you be that upset with this? And at a certain point, you're like, you know, we're Georgia. We want to win national titles. We have to, even if it means moving backwards for a little period of time, we've got to move somewhere. Like we, we know he's going to win nine or ten games, but we also kind of feel like we know he's never going to win 12, 13, 14. And so we've got to do something. And if we hire the wrong guy and he comes in here and we go five and seven for a couple of years and we've got to start over again, then so be it. But it's worth taking a swing to try and get a guy who can win a national title. And it's worked out well for Georgia. Mm-hmm. And I think with Tom Crean in Indiana, like you know, he's winning Big Ten titles. He you know, he gets IU to a number one seed in twenty thirteen and you know, he's getting to NCAA tournaments and, and but it's still it's not it's not up to the standards. And so I didn't fault IU for making a move at that point in time, even though it seemed like on paper it's like, hey, he's this is the best run you've had since Bobby Knight's been gone. 
How could you possibly get rid of him? And the issue is they've just hired the wrong guys. And, and that's not really... It's a difficult thing to predict. Everyone in the world thought Archie Miller would be a hit at IU. I thought Archie Miller would be a hit at IU, and it was a disaster. Archie Miller's a dweeb. He is a dweeb. Like, 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 and I, he did a great job at Dayton, and it's a program that I care about. And so I, I heard great stories from people that had been involved at Dayton. And I mean, like, every, everyone who knew this guy, like, Mark Tyus played with him or for him at Ohio State. He was an assistant there. Like, everyone just had rave reviews about his ability to coach. His ability. Archie Miller? He was an assistant at, at Ohio State when, when Mark was there. Really? Yeah. And, you know, everyone just said, like, he's going to crush it as a head coach on, on this type of level. And not only did he not crush it, he got crushed by the job. I think it was just it was a weird fit. And now, I mean, Archie sucks. He sucks at Rhode Island, too. Yeah. So Horrible. Like, you're seeing more and more evidence that maybe he just didn't have the goods in the way that we thought he did. So I don't know what else you can do as, as for IU. But at some well, point, after like four or five years of just sucking, you've got to be like, you know, this is. It's not that we're not getting players. We're getting players. This guy just can't do anything with them. The unfortunate thing is when they do decide to make a coaching change, I don't. In my opinion, Indiana's not in the position anymore where they can go out and get where, whoever they want, and that that makes it really hard to go through a coaching search. It's not. It's not the same Indiana that it was. Well, no, it, it's not. But still, and I don't know if it'll ever get back to that between you and I. Which is a, it's a conversation that Louisville fans are having now, and I think we're staring down this. Which is why I think this next hire is so paramount. Like, like these four or five years coming up are, you know, do you qualm the fears and, and hush the the talk of, oh boy, like we could wind up being the next Indiana, or even worse, we could wind up being the next like Houston or DePaul. What if we never get back and all this? Do you know, do is the Yum Center ever going to get back to having eighteen, nineteen, twenty thousand on a game to game basis? Are, are we ever going to be looked at the same way that we were before? The next four to five years kind of decide whether that conversation gets put to bed pretty quickly and everyone's like, it's silly. Louisville basketball is too big to fail. Or if it becomes a legitimate fear where all of a sudden it's, it's been 20 years since Louisville's gone to a regional final or something like that, the, the same way that IU has been. I, I still think there are inherent advantages at a place like Indiana that aren't present at, at 95% of college basketball programs, right? Like Such as what? The fans are still showing up in droves mm -hmm. for every game doesn't, doesn't matter well that'll never change exactly and that's not the case like look at ucla most national championships in college basketball they can't sell out Purcell or not Purcell pavilion they can't sell poly pavilion out to, to save their lives like the best ucla environment on in any given season is like the seventh or eighth best iu home environment mm -hmm. and there's still there's always going to be a market in this sport for programs where college basketball is the show. And college basketball is the show in Bloomington, and that's never For going now, to change. Coach Sig may change that. Well, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> but IU basketball is still, it's a religion up there. Yeah. And you're in the Big Ten, which is one of only two conferences that seem to have stability going into this brave new world. Like, there's still a lot to like about the IU job. They've just, you know, they've hired the wrong guy a couple of times. You know what's we'll going to what happens with Woodson. You know what's going to help Indiana in the future? is when freaking Matt Painter retires. That's really, if I start to break it down why Indiana's been so bad, I think it's directly because of Matt Painter. Purdue is so in your head right now. Every No, every They're so in your head every right freaking good recruit out of the state goes to Purdue, and I'm so sick of it. The last five, six years, every guy that I've wanted out of the state of Indiana to go to Indiana has gone to Purdue, and it's driving me nuts. 
I thought Indiana was still getting like because I mean that was Archie's big thing when he first got here it was like I'm getting the best players in the I state mean, of he Indiana. Got, he got Romeo, but and Romeo then, didn't do much. Well, and then all the other players in the state of Indiana like weren't that good. So that was <laughs> that, that was kind of the thing where it was like okay maybe we maybe we need to put less priority on recruiting the best players from the state of Indiana because some of them aren't great. I mean you got Trace Jackson Davis. Yeah, I guess that's true. Anthony yeah. Leal's on the roster right now. Yeah, and he just now played this freaking year in his senior season. That's what I'm saying. Like kid, kid should have be been tearing what it up. You wish for. Kid should have been tearing it up as a freshman. I don't know why they're just now playing him. Who's gonna be Mr. Basketball this year in, in Indiana? Uh that's a great question. I don't I don't even know. I know next year it'll be Trent Cecily for sure. When you were gone last week, by the way, I got like multiple texts for that about that eighth grade kid. Like it's starting already where Indiana Oh Noah Washington. Yes. It, people yeah. are already just high like it, I can tell it's gonna be a thing for the next five years where people are just gonna he's the next Romeo. Like this is all I'm gonna hear about. Can't wait for it. Uh, let's talk. Well, no, we didn't expect to go that long in that. But let's talk really briefly about the news today, which was that the Ville. By the way, it'll be Jack Benter. Probably. Jack Benter. Where's yeah. he going? He is going to Purdue. <laughs> Where he is? He's at Brownstown now. How many straight Mr. Basketballs is that for going to Purdue? I mean, probably four or five. Well, no, 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 no. Because last year's went to Notre Dame. The the Burton kid. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Uh, anyway, don't see you later. In 49 states, it's just basketball, folks. Uh, yeah, today we found out the news. The Ville TBT team coming back for another year at the, at, the uh, at Freedom Hall this summer. Playing in the 64-team $1 million winner-take-all event. It was a great fun last year. We've already got two players signed up to be a part of the team. Peyton Siva's back, running the show. And then Montrez Harrell, who now is, his NBA career is done. He's ready to go. He's going to play. He, he put a little video out there talking about how excited he is to play at Freedom Hall and, and to get back in the Ville. And he was at the games last year. You could tell how much... Were the games last year at Yum? Weren't they? They were at Freedom Hall. Were they? Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was a cool thing. Uh, but they're gonna, we're going to host a regional again this year, which means we could get as many as, what, three games at Freedom Hall. It's going to be a lot of fun. Tickets will go on sale at a, at a to-be-decided date, but they've got a wait list right now. You can go to the tournament.com backslash TBT backslash tickets to, uh, to put yourself on the wait list. And, I mean, this is my take on this. Like, I'm excited that it's coming back because it was great fun. It was great uh, little summer distraction. Did you go? No, because we yeah, I was doing the the Jack Harlow kickball mm-hmm. thing for the last game and the, the first couple of games. I think we had like parents up, but like I, I we we talked about the radio show at length because it was, I, I think, like a lot of people, I didn't realize how nostalgic I was going to get for the games. I was kind of like, yeah, m- maybe this will be cool. But it was a nice little reminder of just how much Louisville basketball means. Like it felt like old times more than any like actual Louisville game has for the past three or four years, and that was great. So I'm excited to see that come back. Now, there's a part of me that is like, I don't want to like, in a weird way, I don't want to be that excited about this because I want this to be kind of like a secondary summer thing. Like for a lot of people, this is kind of taking the place of Louisville basketball. Like they're more excited about the TBT than they are about actual U of L men's basketball. And my hope is that when we get to July, when this tournament's going to go on, there will be a new coach in place. There will be excitement for who he has already brought on for next year's roster. And like this is going to be a nice little kind of secondary thing but that people aren't viewing as a placeholder for Louisville basketball, which is kind of what it was last year, where it was like, this is the way it's supposed to be. This is our, this is our helping. Hopefully we view this as like, this is great. This is fun. It's a cool little summer thing. But the big show is coming back in November and we're very thrilled about that. So that's kind of my, my hope with the TBT stuff. But glad to have Peyton Siva signed up. Glad to have Montrez Harris Harrell signed up. I'm sure they'll be announcing new additions uh, throughout the course of the next several months. It's going to be fun again. Freedom Hall, get ready. We'll take a break. When we come back, we'll hear from you on the Thornton's text line, 502-414-1450. 
Got a couple other things to get to in hour number two as well, but we want to give you a chance to weigh in. It's your damn show as well. Hit us up. We'll talk to you after the break here on the Mike Rutherford Show on Again, Tuesday edition of Mike Rutherford Show, 1450-961, the Big X. We got Scooter Dingus, a.k.a. Justin Kalen, in the house today. Uh, over here in the booth today, we got uh, Roman running the ones and the twos over in the production room. Roman, say hey. What's going on? What's there, going there, on? There, see, you hear him on Wake Up 502 with Sean Myers on Saturday morning. So he's going to be helping us out. We're excited about this. Uh, Scoots, before we get to the Thornton Stacks line, 502-414-1450, you see that we have a, I think we knew this was going to happen, but we have an official format for the first college football playoff coming out this okay. year. We initially, it was going to be, before the Pac-12 uh, dissolved, the six highest-ranked conference champions and the six next-highest-ranked teams with the four highest-ranked conference champions getting that first-round bye. It's basically the same thing now, except we got the five highest-ranked conference champions. They get automatic bids. The four highest-ranked conference champions will get buys in the first round, and then the seven next best teams basically will fill in the spots behind them. Mm-hmm. Now, I, the first thing that I thought in all this was Notre Dame, ha ha ha, all these years of talking about how we don't have to join a conference, Notre Dame can go 12-0 and and be the number one ranked team in every human poll, every computer metric, every whatever, and the highest seed they can get in the, in the college ball playoff is a is, five. Is, is, is a five. Wow. So they can't get a buy. Like you basically, you are guaranteed to have. There's no scenario where you can only play three games to win a national title in the playoff for Notre Dame. Like you're going to have to play four games. So that was that was one thing. Two, I stand by my belief because right now the format is in the first round where you've got the teams five through 12, five hosting 12, 6, 11, 7, 10, 8, 9. The higher seeded teams are going to host the first round games. I stand by my my belief that the scenes for those games are going to be so insane mm-hmm. that the bigger teams are going to be like, we want that as well. And eventually, in, in a few years, the quarterfinals are going to be played at campus sites as well. And the, the neutral site games, the bowl games, are going to be just the semifinals and the national title. I actually think that like the, the way they should do it is kind of the FCS way where all the games are at campus sites at the higher seed and then the national title. I would love just put it at the Rose Bowl every year. I think that that's perfect because if you watch like even the FCS playoffs, the atmospheres are so rowdy. I mean, it's it, it's 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 like an NCAA tournament game at a, at a in a home arena. It's it's survive in advance. It's win and, and potentially keep playing for a national title or your season's over. So you've got like just take the most raucous environment you have for a gigantic regular season game and double it. Like I think teams are going to see that, and Alabama's going to be like, well, we want the gate for that, or like we want that advantage in the quarterfinal. It's not fair that. You know, Auburn, because they were the sixth seed, got to have a game like that at Jordan-Hare, 
and we didn't get to have one for our quarterfinal just because we were the the SEC champion. So I think you're gonna you're gonna wind up seeing that happen. If those first round games are going to be electric, I'm so excited for the college football playoff. It's gonna be so much fun. Now, my one question in regards to Notre Dame is does that incentivize them to join a conference? You think so, point? right? Yeah. I mean, you would think so. Like the I mean, I, Or they just take their lumps and like, oh, we'll win it from the five seed. Though. It's our tradition. I mean, the one thing that you would you would say is and I'm I think I've seen Notre Dame fans argue this already is well, you have to play in a conference championship game to get one of those four buys. Mm-hmm. So that's the extra game anyway. Like, like those teams are playing 13. We're only playing 12. So, yeah, we have to win four games to win the college football playoff. But overall, it's going to wind up being the same amount of games, period. So, you know, and if, we, if we're that good, if we're the number one seed and we're the five seed hosting the 12 seed, who probably in most years is going to be like the group of five champion, like the, 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 the other conference champion with the best record, like this year it would have been Liberty. Like we should smoke them, and then after that, every game's on a neutral field. So it's not like you know we're we're gonna have to play at the four seed. We'll just play the four seed in a in a bowl game on the neutral field. So I guess that would be their argument. But still, it has to kind of suck to be like you know you're taking an unnecessary risk and you you never have a chance. Like your your ceiling is the five seed every single year. So it's weird. I wonder if they work something in. I mean, remember the BCS had all these weird. Advantages built in for Notre Dame and all this. So they, they made it so that if Notre Dame was moderately good in any given season, they were going to get to play in one of those those big bowl games. So I wonder if they end up doing something like this for the playoff, or if they're just like, "Hey, grow up, yeah. join a conference, be a big boy." Right? Come on. Yeah. I, but, I mean, that's kind of my thing. It's we're way past Notre Dame should be in a conference, right? You'd think so. I mean, they're, they, they they're are, the but only, they are in a conference for every other sport too. Aren't they the only independent? Are no, they the only in, in, in football. More? I think there's like four now in 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 football. Um, is that right? I don't know. Uh, I, I thought it was only Notre Dame. I thought I thought I thought there were like four in recent years. I don't know. I know. She, speaking of independence, uh, yeah, UConn is an independent now. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then I guess Army Navy plays in the the American. I think mm-hmm. Army. I thought used to. They didn't. Four yeah. four is correct. Four is correct. UMass is the other one. There you go. Speaking of uh, of independence, I saw you know the only independent right now in Division One men's college basketball, Chicago State, and last night uh, I saw their Twitter account like they they played like it was like Northwest Indiana or something. It was like a, it was like a, a Division Three Indiana school and beat them, and it was their last game of the season. They're like we finished the season at twelve and six. I was like, damn, that's so weird to see a team on February nineteenth being like we wrap up the season with a whatever record. I'm like, well, oh. they're D one, Chicago State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, make Chicago State again. They actually finished above us in Ken Palm last year. <laughs> uh, they, they finished at 12 and 18. They beat Indiana Northwest, a school that I did not know existed yesterday, by a final of 93 to 70. There's so many Indiana schools. You got Indiana East, Southeast. I know I use Southeast. Kokomo. Uh, Gerald Gillian is our coach. Who? Gerald Gillian for Chicago State. On the list. He's on the list. Is he really? No, he's not on the list yet. <laughs> he might make it. We, we still have a little bit of time left. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton's text line. Hit up with your text now. It's time to make it happen. Let's go. Texture says, this is actually from earlier, but I just saw your name, so I was going to bring it up. Scoots is totally out on IU, so if that's the case, does Woodson get another year, and do you want him to? I think that was a Hoosier report with Matt Dennison text. I like that this person is saying, the implication in their text is that if you're out on Woodson, then like we've got to fire him. Because if you've lost Scoots, then you've lost everybody. That's what the texture's basically saying. Indiana lost me. Woodson has not lost me. You're still all in. Yeah. I like Woodson a lot. 
texture says, I appreciate this person texting it in at uh, 2.55, like 10 minutes before we were on the air. Big Dog Mike. Great way to start that. <laughs> How well do you think Piggy's... Uh, I, can't, I can't read that. Come on. Take a shot. <laughs> no, I can't read it. I'm sure Ashton Gelade will make it a quick shot. A lot of people are saying it's a hairy situation. Well done. I can't, I can't read that. Texas, read this in a serious, reflective tone. Okay, I'll try. <laughs> oh, this is some, these are his thoughts, but I'm reading them. I would like to apologize to Trey for calling him a dweeb yesterday regarding not being able to name three Star Wars movies. I had assumed, incorrectly, that a grown-ass man calling a 20-year-old a dweeb for not knowing the most nerdy movies of all time would have obviously been seen as sarcasm. It was not. <laughs> but seriously, you should watch them. There you go. Yeah, this guy called Trey. Tway did not like being called a Tway. Tway did not like being called a dweeb. <laughs> I couldn't name one Star Wars movie. I said, God, we are the worst Star Wars uh, radio show of all time. Stri- Star Wars Strikes Back? Is that one? <laughs> Does that sound right? I, I believe the very first one is The Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> there you go. Star Wars Strikes Back. <laughs> so the only ones that I've I've ever seen are like the original three, like The Empire Strikes Back, uh, Return of the Jedi, and then I, what's 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 the second one? Um, a New Hope. No, no, A New Hope is the very first one. Empire Strikes Back is the second one. So the, those are the only three that I've ever seen. I've never seen any of them. I haven't. Yeah. So like, not even two minutes of one. Yeah. I mean, I, I liked them growing up a little bit, but like when the new ones came out, I was like, I think I was like in eighth grade, and I was like, I'm too cool for this. Um, which I, I wasn't, but I, I thought I was. <laughs> but yeah, Trey was. Trey had no insight. Like I hadn't seen any of the ones but the three. So like this poor guy's question just we we all, and now you're dropping the ball even more. You, you only you thought it was Star Wars Strikes Back. <laughs> Texas. So is Scoots the founding member of the Mike Woodson Mafia? Um, some say, yeah. Woodson Mafia. Yeah, I like it. Texture says, just to get the idiot question out of the way early, will this current TBT team of two players beat the Louisville men's team this year <laughs> and by how much? <laughs> no. Texture said, I would love for Nate Oates to come to UofL, but uh, I-, I thinking is waiting for Michigan or Michigan State to open up because of his roots. I don't think that that's true. Seems like Nate Oates is the hot name recently, right? That's the buzz. That's the, and who knows if, that's, if that buzz is legitimate or not, but I think that there's significant buzz out there. I mean, like, I get he. I mean, he's a Wisconsin guy, so he does have ties to the Big Ten and in that area. But I don't think that he ever, like, I think he played at a school that was in Wisconsin. If I'm if I'm right, um, like he played at like some small school. Like he didn't play Division One basketball. He played like a Bible school in Wisconsin. So I don't think he grew up, if, unless I'm just saying something that I don't know, a diehard Michigan State fan. Because if he did, I can't. I mean, Tom Izzo is is nearing the end at some point. I, mean, I know he's saying I'm not going to retire next year, and he's saying if I do do it, it's going to be abrupt and all this stuff. So I think within the next five years, you're probably going to see Tom Izzo walk away. I think Michigan State also is a program that, like Duke, wants to keep things in house. Like they want an Izzo protege, they want somebody with direct ties to the program. And Nato's really isn't that. But if Nato's did have, have his sights set on that job, that would be an issue for us. But that's one of those rare situations that you look at. Because you know, if, if you're Louisville or Indiana or, or you know, programs kind of in that same tier, you're like, okay, maybe like a Duke guy would leave us for Duke or a UK guy would leave us for UK. or you know. But there's only a handful of jobs that are going to come in and take a guy that we have here at our program. So I don't think that that's a concern. I think if... I think Nate Oates is very interested in Louisville. 
Well, if you're Nate Oates, I don't know why you would want to leave Alabama for a place like Michigan. Like, why leave the weather of Alabama and go to freezing-ass cold Michigan? Yeah, I mean, I think Michigan's a historically a better job. But if his concern, and I, I think that Nate Oates, like, Nate Oates is a, he's a basketball Benny. Like, he loves this stuff. Like, he loved being, like, Buffalo is the big sport. Football or basketball became the big sport at Buffalo. Like, he, and he loved being, like, the show. And I think he wants to coach at a place where, like, you are king if you're the men's basketball coach and you're wildly successful. He could, that- he could win three national titles at Alabama in seven years, and he's still playing second fiddle to football. Like, that's he's, you're never going to be the king in Tuscaloosa. It's just not going to happen. So, I kind of brought this up on Kentucky Roll Call. I guess it was just, this was last week, but... Is Louisville not in a similar situation now with Jeff Brom leading the football program? Is Are they at the point where it's at least even with basketball, or is basketball still king at Louisville? Basketball's still king at Louisville. And will it always be that way? I can't say that for sure. I, it would take, you know, we've seen flash in the pan success at, at, at a very high level for the football program. It would take, I think, sustained success at that level for a long period of time and basketball to continue to peter off. For for football to become king here now, having said that, like the, I've used this saying a ton of times, but like there is an old saying saying basketball schools are just football schools waiting to get good at football. Like when football becomes king, it can fully encapsulate because football it drives it steers the ship for every major major program. Whether you're a basketball school, football school, whatever, football is producing more money. Like it is the cash king of college sports. And so let's say let's say Jeff Brom won a national title like five, six years from now, and was always good. It wasn't just like a fluky national title. It's like Louisville's always in the top 10. They're always in the playoff. They're always competing for conference championships. I think then you could see the tide kind of start to turn a little bit. But it's not just as simple as winning and losing for why men's basketball is... like The, the basketball ties in this general area of the country are so deep-rooted and so extreme. And you, know, you go back to... Um, you know. State of Kentucky high school basketball, state of Indiana high school basketball, and and you know UK getting really good at basketball when the state didn't have a whole lot to brag about. And then Louisville kind of coming forward and becoming a player on the national scene. Like it's just it's so deep rooted, it's so ingrained in all of us that it would take a long time for basketball to be second to anything. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could win. I, I think it's possible. I think it would take a lot. It, it would take a lot for sure. I'm just thinking along the lines of Brom winning ten games his first year. I mean, say that's the say that's the bottom, you know. I mean, I think it wouldn't take long for Louisville football to overtake basketball. But I mean, I, I that could be talking. It's out of possible. My ass on that. I mean, I, I think that when you discuss the current climate uh, of things, I mean, people are obviously way more excited about Louisville football right now than they are basketball. But they still, by and large, are talking more about basketball yeah. than they are football. I mean, I was, you know, you know, I always grew up knowing that Louisville basketball was a quote unquote bigger deal than football. Like the the late eighties nineties, like when I was coming of age, but then to start the website, I started doing the website in, in the, the first website in like oh five, and then to see it in statistical form, to see like you know you can you can get a gauge of where fan base interests are on on which posts are getting which amount of hits, like and and our fluctuation for our site traffic was so different than all the other sites on the SB Nation network because SB like like. All the college sites, like the the Texas one, the Ohio State one, the other ones that were really big when I was first getting started, 
like it was like this slow, like you know, the summer was like a slow build and then it peaked in November and December and then it would just slowly drop off. And ours was totally different. Like we were have slow build and we peaked in March every year. And when we peaked, we peaked like March was by a gigantic margin, the biggest month of the year. And then it would kind of go down for the, the spring and the summer months and then start to build up when football happened. But basketball was always, it just dwarfed any football coverage that you did. And it didn't matter how good the football team was and how whatever the basketball team was, like basketball news was just always more well received. Now, I think that that has changed a little bit in recent years with all of the, the issues surrounding the basketball program, not just the wins and the losses, but the off-the-court stuff. But it would take a... a, a, a this fan base, I think, is desperate for basketball to get back. Yeah. And if you bring in the right guy and they start winning next year, I think you'll see just how much it takes off. But look, I mean... If you have another couple of like decades of this, then you'll have, you'll have an entire generation that didn't grow up as a fan of a successful Louisville men's basketball program and that has only known success at the highest level through football. So I think that will change things. 502-414-1450, Thornton's text line. Texture says, um, Scoots was doing Rutherford for a month and a half. I don't know if I should apologize to Rutherford or congratulate Scoots. You did say that. Who said that? You did. I said what? You said I was doing Rutherford for a month and a half before this. Oh, uh, yeah. we're we're still not growing up. I we're we're no, we're not. This, okay. is, this is the show. I don't even blame the texture. This Come is the whole show. On. No, grow up, texture. <laughs> texture says Mike and Scoots. I've missed this duo. Been patiently waiting anxiously for the over under conference coaching carousel. Oh, this is like <laughs> this guy. I was thinking about him last week. I was like, man, I wonder if he sent any more. He is not. He's not done it uh, for the last couple of weeks. Love it. Let's hear it. We are in Scoots country today with the Big Ten. Hell yeah. I've got the over-under at three and a half, and I'm taking the under. Holtman is out. I assume Howard is out. I believe Ben Johnson and Mike Woodson will be back. I don't think Izzo retires, and everyone else is safe. Maybe Chris Collins takes another job, but I'm interested to hear your all's take. Glad to have you all back on the show together. Three and a half is a good line, I think, for the Big Ten. Yeah, that is a good line. Because you've do have you you've got two known. Like, uh, only one right now. Well, Everybody I mean, just assumes Juwan. Yeah, I would assume Juwan Howard's out at Michigan. We know Chris Holtman's out at Ohio State. I think he's right. Did you know nobody has more covers this year in college basketball than Minnesota? I thought I heard that. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, Ben Johnson's done a good job there. I think he's probably safe. Um, Painter's not leaving Purdue. Wisconsin's not going to lose guard. Guard's not going anywhere. Um, I don't. Chris Collins has saved his job, and he's not going to. I don't think leave in it for anywhere else. Isn't he a Northwestern guy? He is. Yeah. I, I can't imagine that he would leave. McCaffrey's not going to get fired. Um, I don't think Kevin Willard's going to get fired. Who's at Illinois? Who's that angry looking guy? Uh, you know, the, the, Brad Underwood. Underwood. Yeah, he's not going anywhere. Penn State got a first year coach. First year coach. He's not going anywhere. Rutgers. Pykel maybe. Pykel would be one that you would take a look at, even though he is on the Rutherford Show coaching candidate search list as of today. Maryland also has a first-year head coach. I'm going under. I'll take the under on that. I think two and a half would have been a better line. Ooh, how about this? Nebraska. No, Maryland doesn't have a first-year. Willard, Willard's, Kevin Willard's still there. What's he in this? He's new, though, right? No, he's been there for like a, for the third year. Really? Yeah, he came over from Seton Hall. Nebraska's the only other one that would be a maybe for me, and that's just due to getting a better job. Hoiberg, I, I can see Hoiberg bouncing. I think that's a good. Uh, it would take, I think, to get the over. Hoiberg takes a job, and then Izzo has the surprise, but not surprise retirement. Mm -hmm. I think, but which I don't think is going to happen. Um, but I'm with you. I, I'm I'm leaning under here. I'll stick the under here. Yeah. 
I don't think. I mean, India's not going to make a move on Woodson, are they? I wouldn't imagine so. I mean, although the fan base cries getting louder and louder by the day. I just don't think it's going to happen. I don't either. Yeah. And, and like everyone in the Big Ten is just like, well, whatever this year. Like you got, like the league is very much Purdue, Illinois, and then like I'm kind of good, okay, kind of not good, and then like Michigan. That's that's pretty much the entire league. Like, like everyone's good enough besides Michigan to justify not firing anybody. Um, okay, 502-414-1450. Texture says, Scoots calling games is like Iron Mike Tyson before we knew how he sounded on a microphone. <laughs> I don't know about that. Texture says, says, who is your number one player that you want to join the TBT team? For me, it's Preston Knowles all the way. I mean, I would love, just for like personal deal, because I, I love this player so much and still do, if we could bring Gorgie back for this team. I mean, Gorgie was... How tall is he? What, 6'11"? He wasn't technically lifted, listed above 7. I don't think he was what 7. What about Honest Mahmood? Let's get him back. I'd bring Honest back. I, 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 What's Honest, he doing nowadays? Tearing it up in the Egyptian League. Is he? He's been like an MVP like two years of the last four, I think. <laughs> uh, but I would love to have Gorgie back. Just because Gorgie, he meant so much to those teams in, in 2012 and 2013. He's such a likable person. And you know, give us a, a little force in the middle. Make an odd matchup in the TV. You don't see a lot of 6'11 guys with that type of range. Mm-mm. In the, uh, the the TBT, so bring Gorky back, make it happen. This what, is the one where they play for two million, right? I think it's one million. Winner one million. All. I thought it was two. They changed it to two now. I thought it was two. Yeah. In the re- in the release today, they said one. So hmm. getting cheap. I'm going by the TBT people, but Preston Knowles would also be very cool. I would love to see him back. He's a dog. Car Chronicle favorite for sure. Texture says, for the record, I'm really worried that one of the Group A. Oh, hold on. Here we go. Pick a pool of candidates that you draw randomly from, and that's our next coach. Uh, a, Cronin, May, Musselman, Tang. B, Smart, Oates, Otzelberger, Drew. I know you'll probably pick B. I bet most of the fan bases would. But would you guess each group is just as likely to happen? For the record, I'm really worried that one of Group A is far more likely than Group B. I mean, I'm taking Group B. What's Group A again? Uh, Mick Cronin, Dusty May, Eric Musselman, Jerome, Tang. And Group B? Uh, Smart, Oates, Otzelberger, True. I would take everybody in Group B before anybody in Group A. Everybody? Every single coach in Group B over anyone in Group A. Yeah, I probably would too. Um, I don't hate Eric Musselman or Mick Cronin as much as some people do. But, yeah, I probably would too. If I'm power ranking, I've probably got the, the top four probably all from, from Group B. Yeah, give me Group B. Did... um. Our boy Jerome Tang didn't. He, they lost again last night, didn't they? Did they play uh, Texas? Uh, yeah, they did lose. They are not going to make the NCAA tournament. I don't think they've lost uh, three in a row, and ooh, they've lost uh, seven of eight. But he's the guy. Bring him on in. This, I mean, this is the thing. Like he, he's had one good year, and this is year two, and it's not going great. And like you can't just bank on. Like there are good things about Jerome Tang for sure. We've discussed them at length on the show. I, th- I think that he would be energy's great, the vibes great. I think he would fit with a lot of what we like to do um, off the court. I think the style is good, but the man's won one time with a group of players that was kind of weird. He had tried to do it again this year. They've got good talent on that roster, and he hasn't been able to make it work. I mean, look. Tyler Perry was like was the guy that we really wanted. Like we were very and he's 
fantastic. And they're still, Arthur Kaluma was one of the most highly touted guys in the portal. And they're not winning at a high enough level right now to make the NCAA tournament. Now, they still got time to fix it. I'll but. go back to the well and say that it, he's doing it on purpose because he's heard his name mentioned with Louisville. No, I don't think that's true. Kind of like the Musselman thing. I don't think that's true at all. I think he wants, uh, Jerome Tang wants out of Kansas State. I, wouldn't, I feel pretty, wouldn't you? I feel pretty confident <laughs> saying that. He's not throwing games to, to stay in the little apple. Texas says, what do you think about either side of Villanova? Oh, here we go. Um, Villanova minus six and a half versus Butler. Syracuse plus seven versus NC. We'll, we'll, we'll do gambling stuff a little <laughs> bit later. We'll do gambling stuff a little bit later. We'll get there. Um, Texter says, Scoot's play-by-play sounds different because he uses his teacher voice. I use my broadcasting voice. Yeah. Big boy broadcasting voice. That's right. Maybe I should use it on your show. No, it's okay. <laughs> this is fine. <laughs> Texas Wednesday plans. What am I missing? One work teacher. Yeah, Romeo and Juliet. Two death by troll pub. One drink for every KP win. Three tickets in the student section. Teachers can be students too. Death by KP. Beat Notre Dame. Four troll pub. Part two. Question mark. I have no idea what that text means. Uh, yeah, I'm glad. You Not said following that. it at all. That, but whatever. Enjoy it. Great Wednesday. Sounds like it'll be a fantastic <laughs> time. Texas, I hate to break it to you, Scoots. Not recruiting a shooter to a team falls on the coach. There is shoot. There are shooters, though. That's the thing. That's so frustrating. There? there are shooters. Trey Galloway last year was unbelievable for Indiana from outside the arc, and this year he can't hit anything. I mean, the dude. You need makers, though. He, Trey it's Galloway, great to have shooters. You need to have guys that make. Trey Galloway is shooting fifty percent from the free throw line as a senior on this team. It's unacceptable. It's not. It's not on Woodson. Not a good shooting team. I mean, you more Gabe I'll, Cups out there. I'll give you another example. Mackenzie Mbako started the season 21 of 21 from the free throw strike. Dude couldn't miss. He went 5 of 8 from Northwestern or against Northwestern. Maybe they should practice free throws more. They do. End of practice. They do. That's, what, that's, that's how you do it. That's how it works. Let's take a break. When we come back, more from you guys in the Thornton text line, 502-414-1450. It's the Mike Rutherford Show, the Tuesday edition here on 1450 and 96.1. Big X. Always on time, Scoots. Here you go. On the line. Love isn't always on time. Oh, whoa, whoa. Welcome back in. Tuesday edition, Rutherford Show. 1450-961, the Big X. We got Justin Kalen, a.k.a. Scooter Dingus in here in studio. 25 more minutes. Rocking and rolling for 25 more minutes here on a Tuesday edition of the Rutherford Show. We got the uh, Thornton Sex Line also rocking and rolling. 502 414 1450, if you want to have your thoughts heard, we'll get back to you guys on the text line right now. Why not? Uh, another, this is another person who makes the exact same joke about you being Mike Woodson Mafia. M- MWM. I might as well start it then. You're ready to go. I'm going to get a t-shirt with that on it. MWM. <laughs> Texter says, if the rumor is true that someone has stepped up with the buyout money, what do you think the chances are that KP is fired after tomorrow's game? Might be the last chance to fire him during the season since the next game is a week after at Duke. 
What's the point in doing it now? Here's the thing. If you're listening to this, Josh, please please listen closely. I have my, my wife has pushed for like in season vacations, like quick getaways, a million times over the last ten years, like football season, basketball season. And I'm like, I can't do it. I, I I can't do it. And this is the first time that I've ever agreed to one because Louisville basketball has been so bad. I didn't know I was going to have the college basketball freelance stuff going on before the tournament. I wouldn't have done this if I had, but you know, whatever. It's it's four days. We can make it work. If Kenny Payne gets fired while I'm in Disney World, <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle that. I mean, th- this is like an event two years in the making. Like we've all known it's coming. We've all had the pre rights ready. We've all been ready for emergency radio. If it happens, if I'm getting ready to leave for the radio, if we lose Notre Dame on Wednesday night or help beat Notre Dame on Wednesday night, and I'm getting ready to leave for the airport Thursday morning, and I see that he's been fired, like, I don't know if I can go. I don't, I don't know if it's, <laughs> it's going to ruin the entire trip. I don't know how we're gonna, it's going to work. Please don't let this happen because this is not the first time that this has been thrown out there that this could possibly happen. It's funny you bring that up because Dugan was texting us today trying to. F- trying to get coverage for your Thursday, Friday shows. And he said that he hopes Kenny Payne gets fired on Wednesday. <laughs> why would he hope that? Why would he, why, why would he say that? Cause you're not going to be here. Why would he do that? <laughs> be worst case scenario. It would be worst case scenario. Absolutely. And like now it's getting tossed around more and more. And I'm like, please God, no, like don't, Just, it wouldn't make sense to do it though. Right. Hopefully, I mean, not. if you didn't do it early in the midpoint of the season when you had the opportunity, I don't know why you would do it now. The only reason why, I guess, is that you look around, and you're like, oh, DePaul did it. Oh, Ohio State did it. Like, you know, Ohio State, John Diebler promptly leads them to a win over Purdue. Fan base is more excited. They know that they're able to talk to available coaching candidates early. Like, there's no, there's no, you know, you don't have to run to make sure that you get the firing release out there, and then you're still talking to like that would be the only thing. But if it did happen, I I would legit cry. I'd be sobbing on the plane. Louder than my son. It's going to be dad. Texas says, talk dirty to me, talk derby to me, talk down to me. Uh, we can talk derby to you. Do you have a derby horse, Jet Scoots? Uh, no, should I? Why not? Sierra Leone won the Risen Star over the weekend. Early favorite, probably. If he it, it makes it into the field, which is always a question mark at this point, probably going to be your Kentucky Derby favorite. Chad Brown horse. I like uh, Mystic Dan. Mystic Dan guy. Big fan of that horse. Uh, not a big. I'm not as big on Timberlake, which a lot of people like. I like fierceness uh, a lot, but Sierra Leone, Sierra Leone, write that down. You haven't named one that I love the name yet, so pick them out on all those. Uh, I'm trying to think of other. Locked is a good horse. That's got potential. Um, there's another one with Dan in the Dan uh, the Man. Uh, maybe something like that. <laughs> uh, there's another one like that. Texas Mike, there will only be four Power Five leagues in football. How are there five auto bids? Well, the the four Power leagues are all getting an auto bid, and then the highest ranked conference champion from the Group of Five is also going to get an auto bid. So there you go. It's uh, it's an easy way for them to say like the five highest ranked conference champions. The reality is, it's gonna it's always going to be the four Power conferences, and then like the best conference champion out of the the MAC, the AAC, the Sun Belt, and the uh, so, Mountain, Mountain West. Hold on, time out. With that in mind. Best seed Notre Dame could get would be a six, then, right? Well, no, because the because they're not they're not playing in a conference. The, so how could they be conference champion? The fifth automatic bid doesn't necessarily have to be the five seed. Like the the top four are all going to get the buys, so they will be the top four. But teams five through twelve just get ranked based on like how strong they are overall. Oh, okay. So like the if the again like if the highest ranked group of five conference champion is Toledo. Who's like you know, ten and two, whatever, and they're like twenty fourth in all the human rankings. 
they're going to be the 12 seed. There may be a weird time where like Boise State wins or somebody wins, Colorado State wins, and they're 12 and 0 team. They're like number 13 in all the human polls. And like they, you know, they end up getting the the seven, eight, nine seed, something like that. But for the most part, the group of five teams probably always going to be like the 12 seed. Texter says, Mike, do we have the pockets for the Oats buyout though? We have the pockets for everybody's buyout. I grow, I, the more that I talk to people, the more that I think, I, I, you know, you can like say, we don't know the financials of the situation. Like the more that I talk to people at UofL or tangentially connected to UofL, the more I fall under the umbrella of they will find the money that they need. The Nate Oats buyout is $10 million. His contract at Alabama is not ridiculous. Uh, Ten million dollar buyout is, is steeper than it should be. Not as steep as Mick Cronin's, but it's uh, it's up there. But I think if they if they really want Nate Oates, they will find the money for a ten million dollar buyout. Texas Pikeel isn't leaving Rutgers. He has the number two recruiting class in the country. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, that's true. Palpable buzz. He's the coaching search candidate of the day, buddy. <laughs> I don't know if you know what that means. He's gonna bring all them guys here. It means Josh Hurd's interested. It means there's there's mutual interest. That's what that means. Texas will be difficult to pull oats away from beautiful tropical Tos- Tuscaloosa. Scoots, what's the most beautiful place that you've ever been? That's not me asking. That's Texan asking. Most beautiful place? Oh, that's not even hard. Cabo San Lucas. Okay, for sure. Cabo Wabo. I don't. I don't. I went to that bar. It was a good time. What happens in Cabo stays in Cabo. Absolutely. That's what they say. Although I've shared all kinds of stories since we've been back, so maybe that's not true. <laughs> you, somebody, somebody sent me the the clip. You know, I love Norm McDonald. I uh, still miss him every single day. But somebody sent me the clip last night where he he's died? like, "Yeah, really? Like two years ago? I don't know if I knew that. Yeah, we had the show like right after it happened. It was very, that's I was nice. very upset about. It. Trevor and I were both very upset. But somebody sent me the clip of him. He was on the Letterman show, and he was talking about. He's like, like you know, these cities now they have these these taglines and stuff. He's like the worst one is the Las Vegas one. You know, they say, like, what happens in Las Vegas stays in Las Vegas. He's like, it's, it's not true. You know, you, you, you kill a man, doesn't stay in Las Vegas. People are going to find you. You're going to go to jail. Yeah, so he's like, he's like, what it means, though, and this is very coy of them, is it means if you sleep with a prostitute in Las Vegas, she's not going to tell your wife about it. <laughs> like, she's not one of these, like, you know, Austin, Texas, like, you know, sleep with, she's going to run right and be like, I, you know, Mary, Mary Robinson's husband. <laughs> Paid me to have sex with him. She's going to tell you about it. It's a great spiel because it's, it's exactly what it means. <laughs> Texter says, Chris Collins isn't a Northwestern alum. He played at Duke and was Coach K's staff for a long time. How did you not know that? He's a, he's a Duke guy. Because he, he was initially on the, the – oh, You didn't correct me, so you didn't oh, know. Oh, sorry. Either. That's my bad. <laughs> uh, that's the he's – been, he's been at Northwestern for a while now. Because he, he was initially on the the Duke list of the Coach K replacement list, power rankings. He was uh, – for a while, they looked like he might be the guy, and then – Everybody who at one point in time like was the guy who was doing well ended up sucking. Like Tommy Amaker was good at Seton Hall for a little bit, and then you know, I mean, he was bad at Michigan. Goes to Harvard, killing it there, and like he's like, yeah, maybe he's on the list, but nobody just stepped up. It was why there wasn't a a natural changing of the guard. They had to go with John Shire. You know who the leading scorer in Northwestern basketball history is? Boo Booey. No, he's he's getting up there. I'll even give you an age eight uh, range, like two thousand nine to two thousand. Oh, oh, this is gonna kill me. Just tell me before I'm. John Sherna. John Sherna. Is that yep. actually not who I was gonna say? He is the only John one. John Sherna was a beast. He's the only one that has over two thousand points for Northwestern. He was good. Did not get them to the NCAA tournament. Nope. Texas Izzo will lose his mind if Gorgie plays in the TBT. Never seen that guy hit a three. One of the greatest clips of all time for an opposing coach. <laughs> Jang hasn't made a three all year. It was a wonderful game. We ruined Draymond Green's college career. 
we'll always have that going for us. He ain't been right since. He hasn't. Texture says the big lie was the most popular show in America in recent memory, with the exception of being a few years of episodes in the past year when the series aired in a variety and the series had been canceled by a number of other shows in recent months with a few of them having similar formation. I, I have no idea this person's talking about. I have no idea. This is a the very rambling text. I'm sorry. I'm not following you at all. Texas, uh, I'm, I, I can't read the text. Texas, Texas, Texas Mike, have fun at Disney. When are you going to not be on air? Who should I listen to instead? We well, should listen to the show. We're gonna, we'll, have, we'll have something on air. And if it's not something, you know, we'll have national. Just listen to national here. Just give us your ears. Uh, I'll be gone Thursday, Friday this week, and then Monday, Tuesday next week. And then back on Wednesday. Um, like There was a shot that we, I think we get in at like 2 o'clock on Tuesday. And I was like, I could go like straight from the airport to do the radio show. Yep. And I was like, I'm not going to. That's, no. that's not. That's not. Nobody wants that. That's not good for anybody. But yeah, Thursday, Friday, Monday, Tuesday. So in theory, it was perfect because it's the one gap that we have in conference play. I'll be on tomorrow to get ready for the Notre Dame game tomorrow night. And then when I'm back, it'll be for the Duke game. So like, you know, I'll only miss basically the reaction to the Notre Dame game. There's nothing going on this weekend for us. Um, you know, the women's team's playing, but like for the, on the men's side. So in theory, it's perfect. Now, if we choose to fire Kenny Payne in the middle of this week, then yeah, it will, uh, it will be much less perfect. You're going to miss baseball. I'm going to miss baseball. We'll have uh, Xavier uh, tomorrow, and then St. Bonaventure comes to town this weekend for a three-game set. And then I think they play uh, Youngstown State next weekend. Hopefully we have some wins to talk about because I don't want to be sitting here saying, like, oh, is Dan McDonald on the hot seat? Is Roger Williams on the hot seat? I don't want to do that. Let's yeah. have a fun baseball season. It's Can't time. win the big one. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Only one coach wins the big one every year. <laughs> Texture says, this is my itinerary for the uh, – uh, Wednesday evening in the Notre Dame basketball game. Am I missing anything? I really just wanted to brag that I'm going to be troll pubbing. Oh, that's the person with the early text that we didn't really get. Troll pub rules. I enjoy the troll pub. Yeah. Great time. time. Texas says, what are our odds to make the playoffs next year? Football? Yeah, I'm assuming. Here's the problem with that. So they block gambling sites on the internet here. So I can't look up gambling. Oh. You, have you seen? Have you noticed that? Yeah, you gotta you gotta turn the Wi Fi yeah. off, but on your computer, it's yeah, you, tough. you can do it on the phone, but like you can't. Let yeah. me see if I can find it here. You can't do it. Do it. Like, I, I always. No, I forget. got the Wi Fi turned off, so I can get on. Well, I I always forget. So like I'll be doing like a little bit of work here if I if I come in early and like I'm like sort of looking for odds, like trying to put like the the line for the game or something. And I'm like son of a, like like why is VegasInsider.com blocked? Like I can't get anything going on here. So yeah, they they block it here. Which is kind of hilarious. It's like we're a sports radio show, but set up that way. I don't know what our odds are, but I think we have like the fifth best in the ACC. Is what I saw. I'll look into it here. The cool thing about the the, the, the way that it's set up now is, you know, you can have a. I'm mean, gonna say cool, but you can have a rough non-conference loss. Like Louisville could slip up. This, let's say we lost to Jacksonville State. God forbid in week two. As long as you're in contention to win a conference championship, like you're in contention to make the college football playoff. You're in contention to play for a national title. So that's, you know, something to always keep an eye on. Now, it'll be more and more difficult to mathematically figure out where you are because we've got an eight-game conference schedule and an 18-team league now, which, you know, I think somebody mapped it out. In both the Big Ten and the ACC, the way the schedule is laid out, you theoretically have a chance where to have five different teams finish 8-0 in conference play next year, which is insane. There are, there are going to be mega leagues now moving forward that have three teams finish with an undefeated record in conference play 
and then have to figure out a way to leave one of those out from playing for a conference championship and a spot in the college football playoff. So every conference game moving forward is going to be just exponentially more intense, I think. So I can't find anything about making the playoffs, but Louisville is 100-1 to to win the championship. Okay. They already have a few lines out. Isn't that weird? For like individual games? Yeah. What do they have? Uh, they've got the Florida State Georgia Tech line. Oh, I thought you meant Louisville games. For, yeah, I don't see any Louisville ones. I don't care about Florida State. Yeah. No, I mean, I mean, you got Texas and Michigan line out, a Georgia Alabama line out for September 28th. It's like all the big games they've already got the lines out for. Mm. Texas says my wife's uh, Mike, my wife's derby. Uh, my, my, sorry, my, Mike, my wife's birthday is Derby Day. Can you hook a brother up for tickets to the Derby or a party? Thanks in advance. Buddy, if I could do that, I would have done it for myself every single year for the last several years. No. I, I do enjoy, like, when I have, every now and then, there'll be, like, an out, like, somebody who doesn't live in town. Like, hey, man, can you give me, like, Derby tickets? I'm like, no. <laughs> that's not. The- do people not realize how expensive they are? No, I don't think they do. They, they Especially think- now with the whole front side being all inclusive. Yeah. Like, they're well, crazy. You're on the radio. I'm like, yeah, that's not, uh, not nearly, doesn't wield the power that you think it does. Yeah, can you give me your media credential? Yeah, you don't look like me. Yeah, it's not uh, it's not, not the way it works. Texture says, uh, I will not be listening to the national show. My goodness, it's unbearable. Well, that's... Sorry. We switched it over to sports, right? <laughs> Texas with a messenger flaming out, are you going to financially support your fellow USBWA colleague, Seth Davis, and his family until he gets back on his feet and gets another writing job? Seth's fine. Seth, Seth is... Seth's doing fine for himself. I'm not on the USBWA board anymore. I'm, I, I, I stopped paying the dues to be a member so that they wouldn't let me be on the board. I was like, yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah. I think I did it for four years. All you had to do was be on like a call, and I just I never talked on the call. I just said like, yay or nay. That was it. And I basically just said whatever everybody else said. All those calls were just Seth Davis talking and nobody else talking. It was fine. The only thing you got to do was pick a, a national player of the week, which was always, always fun. I always went for a like mid-major guy. Gave him some shine. Tommy Funk from Army was my national player of the week. He's great. Never heard of him. Well, he was a beast like three years ago. Texas is apparently the owner of the Troll Pub text into the show. Maybe. Shout out to you. <laughs> Texas, did Scoots of all people just tell me to grow up? That's the guy who was making fun of the doing Rutherford for a month and a half. Yeah, grow up. Wow. I, don't, ha- I don't have a choice to grow up. I, my growth was stunted at 16. I haven't grown since. I've just grown out. <laughs> uh, Texas, I don't even know. This, oh, this is from earlier. You won't leave alone, Scoots. You might even leave with Bubba. I have no idea what that means or what that's from. Oh, What, what was going on? In the Was this Spears? This or? was Spears, yeah. We were talking about, I don't know, Bubba's 33 was texted about, and Spears said something about, if I go there, I won't leave alone. And yeah. It was, I don't even know what that is. It was a weird conversation. Bubba's it's 33? A restaurant over in Indiana. Oh. It's a cool place. Oh. They used to sponsor the Big X. Okay. Texas, can Rashad, uh, Rashawn, come on, guys, and, and wake up 502 filling for you when you're going to Disney? We'll see. I'm sure they'll I'm sure they'll reach out to Rashawn. Texas, the guy asking for derby tickets. I work for Churchill Downs, and I can't get tickets. Yeah, it's, I mean, derby tickets are insane. Mm-hmm. You, like, I got the, the only hookup I ever got was, like, John Ramsey had, like, a media uh, hookup for, for derby tickets. And, like, you get, like, a, it's, I mean, you still have to pay like full price. It's just like you get access to box seats. Which Not was anymore. Cool. I mean, it's insane. You should get one through Big X this year. What do you it's mean? It's pretty awesome. What do you mean? 
I don't pay anything. For what? For well, you mean for direct for media pass? Correct. I'm talking about like seats. I mean, I have a seat that I don't pay for. Oh, there you go. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Yeah, I didn't get a media pass last year. Somebody hooked me up. Well, you got to do some media stuff out there. I would love That's to. <laughs> I was not asked to do any. I mean, I'm I'm more than willing to. I gotta get asked. Maybe we can make it happen for you this year. Texas says, after hearing the roll call guys talking derby prices, it reminded me again how the all-inclusive model oddly coincided with the much higher prices. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely different. I think we'll probably do – we've done Thurby the last few years, and it's been fun, and, and I've enjoyed that. We'll probably, I'm sure we'll do that again this year. And then I think my wife and I usually do like a derby party on Friday night, and then we have not I – haven't, I haven't been to the derby in like – probably since like 2019. It's I mean, it's pricey. It's like – It is. It's, it's tough. Well, I mean, last year – so we – we're, where we set up in the grandstands is right next to, like, we're on the very last row of media section. Uh-huh. So we've got common folk next to us. And I actually asked them last year. There's six people in a box. I was like, how much, just curious, how much do y'all pay for this box for, for today? It was $2,200. I was it's, like, what? It's nuts. Between six of you all, you split $2,200? That's crazy. I, mean, that's, I feel like that's not that bad either. I mean, not not when you include the all inclusive aspect of it, drinking for free, eating for free, all that. Yeah, I mean that's that's nothing. I mean, I, I think most people it's, it's more than that. Texas Scoots is an omen. Make it just drove by at four fifty one. It's a picture of uh, Bubba's. There, there it is. Hail. Texas says, "Sorry, that was press the middle button over and over." Text somehow it created a story about the big lie. It's what the, the troll pub text reminded me of. Yeah, that one like. I kept reading it. I was like, I don't know what this means. This this sounds like somebody has just had a seizure in the middle of texting. Texted, I'm not sure if you saw the Super Bowl, but there's a video circulating that while Travis Kelsey's girlfriend was chugging a beer on the Jumbotron, Ice Spice was throwing up a satanic gesture while wearing an upside-down cross. You and Mary better think twice before letting your kids listen to her music. There oh, my God. You, there you go. Um, Yeah. Well, I, I don't... I'm assuming that's Taylor Swift's music, not Ice Spice. Man, music. speaking of ponytail, Taylor Swift, big fan. Big fan. Big fan of ponytail Taylor. Well, you know, yeah. Trevor thinks he's too good for her. Wow, she's not. A, she's not attractive enough for Trevor. He was wrong. He was. He was wrong. She looked good. Uh, she's now. Well, she's back in. Although her next to Blake Lively, she. Blake Lively's she, awesome. She can hang out with Blake Lively even more. That'd be great. We're watching. I brought up the show yesterday. We're we're watching. Well, Mary's. I've already seen it. Mary's watching season two now of Welcome to Wrexham. Mm-hmm. Which is, you know, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney bought the soccer team in, in Europe. And Blake's with Ryan, right? She's she's married, They're to, married him. to him. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've been married for a while. They're very... You know, They're the, funny on social media. They, yeah. But she's like, she shows up in the show a couple of times because she's helped sponsor the women's team and she does stuff over there. And I think I think every girl has a girl crush on Blake Lively. She's... Rightfully so. She's very cool. Texas Ice Spice, next coach. <laughs> Put her on the list. Make it happen. <laughs> Texture says, I'm in my car. My, I, I can't read your text. Is, is Ice Spice a Spice Girl, by the way? Where'd she she's come not, from? She, she, Where, what'd she do? She is not. She, she's not a Spice Girl. I mean, her name's Ice Spice. She should be a Spice Girl. Right? It is. I understand your confusion. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't, she may not have been alive when this, I don't think she was alive when the Spice Girls were performing. Uh, she is a, she's a rapper. Hmm. Any good? I enjoy, I, I enjoy Ice Spice. Does she have like popular songs? Not like I, any that I would know. She did the Barbie World song for like the movie. Mm, I haven't heard that. They remixed the you know, the old Aqua song. I haven't heard it. Yeah. Hmm. She has a song called Princess Diana. Nope. Uh, but she is. Let's see how how old is Ice Spice? I'm a rock Ice Spice on the way home. <laughs> 
<laughs> I Spice is 24. Yeah, she was not alive when, <laughs> when the Spice Girls were doing that thing. The, the lesser-known sixth Spice from the Spice what is, Girls. What is Taylor doing hanging out with a girl 10 years younger than her? Taylor's like 32. Taylor's 34. She's my She's 34? Age. Yeah. I, I think they have a song together. Oh, there you oh, go. There. there you go. Nicely done, Roman. Roman knows. Uh, oh, that's because he's 25. Roman, I think, knew that, that I Spice was not a Spice Girl. <laughs> I believe. Roman, do you know the Spice Girls? Oh, God. I don't think I can name one Spice Girl. Oh, oh, there it man. is. This is the conflict of, of, of generations here now. <laughs> go, go home and listen to the Spice Girls, Roman. It's good stuff. You don't have to, Roman. There, there's, they got three or four bangers. I mean, I wouldn't need it. My wife went to, like, 10 years ago, the Spice Girls, when they were touring, and, and she went, like, with a couple of her best friends to Chicago to see the Spice Girls, and she was like, it was the most fun concert I'd been to. I guarantee you, yeah. They had a blast. I love Mel B. Mel B. Um, was he Sporty Spice, Scary Spice, Ginger Spice, Baby Spice, and, of course, I Spice. <laughs> the missing spice nobody knew they needed. Texture says, don't worry, Mike, even if you aren't here on Thursday, I will text a full recap of my Wednesday evening at the Troll Pub Misadventure to the text line and also the basketball game or whatever. I mean, it is sad thinking about, like, when Louisville basketball, like, eight, nine years ago, you would go down there, you would go to Troll Pub or you'd go to Barron's by the Bridge, or you'd go to BBC, or just any of the stuff around that area, was it was packed. And it was always a good time. It was a great you know pregame spot. It was a great postgame spot. You celebrate the victories there. And now it's just, it's not that way. And it sucks. It is what it is. Checkers, any update on Louisville football recruiting? I mean, football, this is not football recruiting time. I, I see <laughs> Isaac Sal's souls. One of those names that you see all the time, you don't ever hear it. The male high star, basically, uh, came out with his top 10 list yesterday, and Louisville is on it. Uh, Louisville's been very, very heavy with his recruitment. A uh, guy that, you know, the big dog's after for Kentucky, but Louisville wants to make uh, sure it stays home. Uh, he also had on his final list of 10 schools, NC State, Kentucky, Miami, Penn State, South Carolina, Vanderbilt, IU, Hey-o. West Virginia, and Virginia. So that's the latest big, I think, football recruiting. Note. I mean, I know Jeff Brom's going after. He, they took the trip down to South Florida. They offered a bunch of guys there. They're working really hard in the 2025 class now. Uh, a lot of guys are getting offers. That's uh, kind of... The, the long and short of it. I think we're probably a couple months away from starting to see more and more commitments coming in. 502-414-1450. Texture says, what has Scoots been doing to commemorate Black History Month? That's the only reason I can come up with as to why he's been missing from your show. Come on, guys. Leave Scoots alone. Grow up. Leave Scoots alone. Texture says, uh, what's the word on Maverick Rowan? This is the guy who texted, and he texted into the show three different times. Uh, one was September of 2022, the other was uh, December of 2022, and then now, and just asks about Maverick Rowan every, every time. single time. <laughs> do you do, do you know who Maverick Rowan is? Never heard Scoots. of him. So Maverick no. Rowan was, this is classic summer sports radio. He did the thing, and if I had ever been a basketball recruit, I would have done this exact same thing. He made sure that he was the last commit from a class to, to go anywhere, the last recruit from a class to commit. So if you're like the the number 83 player in a class, nobody cares about you when it's the height of recruiting season. But if it's summer and everyone else is, you're the best guy available, everyone's talking about you. So Mm -hmm. that was Maverick Rowan. And like every radio show for a solid two months was just dedicated to what Maverick Rowan was going to do. And he ended up going to NC State and being like a whatever player for two years and then left. Mm -hmm. That was it. I met Maverick Rowan's dad at Molly Malone's one time. Got introduced to him by one of the assistants. He's like, Mike, you need to come meet... uh, and Maverick Rowan's dad was not very cool. I was fine that we didn't get Maverick Rowan. 
Uh, we'll take a break. When we come back, Scoose is, is out of here. We appreciate that. We have Roman still rocking the ones and the twos. We'll be back for the 5 o'clock hour of the Mike Rutherford Show. It's next here on The Big X. Five o'clock hour here, the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 961 the Big X. Hope you're home or headed home after work. Spend some time with us. Regardless of where you are, we appreciate the time. Here on 1450 one the Big X, reminder podcast, always available after the show. Just go to your favorite podcast provider, search 1450 Big X. You'll find the Mike Rutherford Show every single episode, every single show. If you want to go back and listen to two years worth of shows, uh, you can do that. It's going to take you some time, but put on, you know, crank it up to like 1.75. Maybe you can. Cycle through that a little bit faster. We got Trey Ryan from Cluckers here in studio. Trey, how are you? Your mic's not working. Try again. Uh, there you go. Good, sir. How are you? Doing well. Uh, we got Roman running the ones and the twos. Uh, Roman's going to be helping us out. Uh, you're going to hear him more here on the Mike Rutherford Show. Roman, let's get to... Uh, I want to know more about you. We established that you're 25. You don't uh, You don't know any Spice Girls. Besides yeah. that. What do we need to know? What do we need to know? Well, what do you want to know? I'm a I'm a U of L graduate, December okay. 2022. I'm uh, pursuing the sports media, sports broadcast route of career. God love you. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big, big diehard U of L fan. Um, more so on the basketball side than football up until the last couple years. Are you from the area? Oh yeah, yeah. Born and raised. Well, here comes the question. Of At- course, what high school did you go to? Atherton High School. At- Shout out to Go Ravens. Go Ravens. Formerly Rebels. I was, I was a Rebel, unfortunately, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, Go Ravens. Now I was a Highland Scotty. There you go. Highland Middle School, and then uh, Chenoweth Charger. So, wow. Yep, I've been around. Atherton Sports, by the way, kind of on the come up a little bit. Yeah, I district champs in football. Yeah, they just had the best record they've ever had in their school's history. So that's pretty cool. I'm pretty sure it's the best record they've ever had. They lost one or two games, I want to say. Okay. Now, see, you're 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 older than than Trey and, and young intern Patrick Ryan by a little bit, so you didn't have the like. You were old enough to kind of have formative memories when Louisville basketball was rolling in the heyday under Rick Pitino. Like, I, I is it safe to assume you know that helped form the sports fan you were? Because you were what, like 13, 14, 15 when 15, that was going yeah, on. Yeah, fourteen, thirteen, literally thirteen, fourteen, fifteen when Pitino was around. Um, and yeah, that's what I fell in love with. Honestly, at the right around twelve, thirteen years old, I started paying attention to the players, knowing the names of the players, how important each player was to the team, things like that. Um, I've got all kinds of memories just just looking back on that time, different players and stuff. Swapshire, <laughs> we love Jared. Shout out to speaking of Northwestern, we love we love Jared. Who is the definitive? I always feel like you can you can classify generations of Louisville fans by like the one player who defined them in those those formative young years like who, who is when you think about the first Louisville player that you fell in love with who was it the first one I fell in love with the first Louisville player player I fell in love with would have to be I want to say Edgar Sosa okay but that wasn't necessarily like like well T Will and Edgar Sosa my grandmother that she was huge Louisville fans at that time for and those are her two guys and you know when she was going to the games and stuff so those are two players that I always paid attention to and liked but in my formidable years as an actual like supporter of the team, it would ha- I'd have to go Russ Smith. Okay, 
Uh, great answers. Which so you are like what I would refer to, even though you said Edgar so like you're kind of like the T. Will era of like a youngster. Yes, which I remember. Earl Clark, I love all those guys. Yes, ex- exactly. So like like when um speaking of Atherton folks, like Jack Harlow, when he was asked about like, good buddy of mine, is he really? Yes, awesome. Well, we played soccer together at Highland and Atherton, so we had you know we're always around each other. There you go, schools. the Raven connection, uh, Rebel connection back then. But he was asked about you know I think on an interview one time about. What Louisville basketball player do you remember? And I was like, he's going to say T. Will because he's from that age group. Like my age group was is the Dewan Wheat was like when we're in the '90s. Kind of you fell in love with Dewan Wheat when you were first falling in love with Louisville basketball, and then after him, there's like the Reese Gaines generation, yeah. and then I think after him comes the probably the, the, the T. Will. Gen- I guess maybe the, the Francisco Garcia generation. Francisco Garcia, and then I want to say Preston Knowles was around before T. Will. Am I wrong? He was he was after T. Will. Well, okay. it, they, they coexisted. Knowles' senior year was 2011. Oh, okay, okay. And T. Will's was, was 2009. But, I mean, you know, you kind of transition from T. Will, I feel like, into like the SIVA generation for a lot of the SIVA Rust generation. And for, for a lot of people, you can kind of combine the players. And then now it's just kind of like the pain generation. And I, I mean, P-A-I-N, not, not P-A-Y-N-E. Yeah, it's definitely just like the sad generation, and I, I do feel terrible. But you at least got like a good taste in those years where I think those are the, like those are the years, like the fifth, sixth, seventh grade, and then eighth grade, like high school, where like you really want to be able to enjoy them. Yeah, for sure. I think at that time frame, you kind of become your own fan a little bit. Exactly. Um, with your peers and stuff, school, everybody, you know, gets to come wear their gear, talk about the game and things like that, versus talking about with family, friends, and things like of that nature and stuff. So it's definitely formidable, and it was a good time. Um, I enjoyed it. I'm ready to be back. And that's when you get hooked, right? Like, like you still, like, I think when, like, I think about the first big term, I, I know that I had memories of watching the games. Like, I, I was born in 1984, so I, I don't remember much about like, the late 80s, early 90s, but I know that I was watching games. There's pictures of me watching games. I mean, I don't know, I'm sure, like, I remember it. But then you have that first, when you're, like, 10, 11, or 12, that first real run that you remember in the NCAA tournament, that first team that you get really attached to. And for me, it was the two runs that we made. I said, I use run loosely because for me, it was the first time I'd seen Louisville play out of the first weekend of the tournament. But 96-97, Louisville goes to the Sweet 16 in 96, um, gets beat by Wake Forest. They got screwed. Tim Duncan walked, fouled out, whatever. And, and then in 97, they go all the way to the Elite Eight. And like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hooked for the rest of my life at that point. And I worry, and I've said this so many times now, that the generation right now, that was, you know, turning, let's say, 10 years old in, in, in 2019 and now is finding themselves 15, 16, they've had n- nothing like that. Like they, like they don't have any conscious memories of going even to the Elite Eight in 2015 or anything that Rick Pitino did. And all they know of Louisville basketball is scandal and embarrassment and losing. And I do worry that you just run the risk of losing that entire generation of fans because it's, it's harder to get hooked when you're you know, 18, 19, 20. I mean, I think it goes even beyond to the to people my age. Like I know guys who, up until this year, maybe last year, they couldn't name anyone after Damian Lee on really? the team. You know, like just because they lost that much interest in in caring for the team and who's on it and stuff because they didn't ex- the expectation was lowered. So, I think yeah, it, it's it, that's very true. It's that younger generation is definitely gonna. What do they even have to like? You know, like they don't have that same excitement that we got to watch and see and then also I think Louisville's also been a program where it's not just it's not a whole new team next year like we've got we got to watch players grow and watch players become great players and you know there's a generation now that's not going to have that unfortunately 
there's just so much other stuff to do in this day and age too. Like, like it wasn't around. I mean, you less because you're you're almost 15 years younger than I am. But like when I was growing up, you you watched the games. Like there was just you had video games and stuff like that. But we didn't have cell phones. Nobody was distracted. Everyone was always just you were focused on the game. And now for kids, there's just there's a million options. Like one basketball game, you could watch you know <laughs> four episodes of a great show on your phone really yeah. really quickly. And it's just. It, in this day and age where you're you're competing with so many different things for eyeballs, you almost can't afford to have this sustained period of futility where you're just not getting it done. And the the embarrassment of the negative headlines, I think, also weighs into it. And it's just, you know, people don't get hooked the way that they used to and they don't stay hooked the way that they, they used to. And I think Louisville basketball, it's why it's I think it's later than it seems for us as a program. And we've got to make sure that whatever the next move is, is the right one, because you can't have another couple of years like this, or it's it becomes that much more difficult to claw back to where you want to be. It does. Um, uh, Roman, let me ask you this. Um, because I, I don't have a general sense, but we talk about Louisville basketball on the show on a daily basis. I think we very much are of the belief that we can't do this for another third year with, with, with Kenny Payne, where you know we've been kind of tooting that horn for a while. We tried to, you know, I think we've been objective. We look at all the information. I, I wanted to give this a shot a couple of years ago when he got hired. Where are you right now as far as like, like the next step? Are you completely ready to move on? Are you, are you of the belief that we need to wait and see how this plays out? I'm, I'm already moved on. I've already, <laughs> I've already, you know, accepted what this was early in the season. Um, I, I do want to like take a step back before I, you know, say my true thoughts on the future. Sure. I don't understand how we got to this point in the season. I don't understand how you let any person, you know, aside from maybe a couple coaches, if a couple coaches came to Louisville and had the year that he had last year, maybe you say, okay, I, I get it. Let's give him next year. But I don't see how you, you give a, you know, brand new coach, this team, he does that. And then you get to like early in the year, he should have been fired this year is what, is what I don't understand. Like, I don't, I don't want to say that this, Season was recoverable at any point early, but this roster could have made way more strides earlier on than they did with with Kenny coaching. And I just want to say, like, I don't understand how you let him let him get to this point in the second season after, you know, having proof with last year that he doesn't really uh hasn't figured it out. Yeah, it's happened, and and, and here we are now. I think that there you know, we've. If they tried. I think there was an effort made to to make a move, and and it didn't happen for whatever reason. And now here we are. And regardless, we are we're now less than a month away from whatever's next. And I think that the the closer we get to it, the more that I get excited about not just like being able to turn, but just like knowing that we're we're gonna find out whatever's next because there's been so much speculation just dating back to November when it looked like things were going to go awry and maybe even going back to last summer when it was like, he's not assembling the type of roster that we need to be wildly competitive in year two. I think there's just been there's for me, I wrote the thing in December saying this is rock bottom. And the problem with being at rock bottom is sometimes the only thing you can do is just sit and wait. You know, everyone wants to argue about the best way to get out. Do you scratch and climb? Do you call for help? Do you do whatever? And like that, that leads to all the infighting. And the reality is we've just been forced to just sit here and just sit in this pile of, of, of crap for several months. And finally, 
in a few weeks, we're going to be able to start the process of just knowing whatever's next. And, and I, I just want to know at this point. I'm so sick of uh, of debating. It's it's like after, if your favorite TV show ends on a cliffhanger, you spend the entire you know, seven months or whatever it is till it comes back, just debating about the, the different theories and what's going to happen. And you know, that person's wrong or this person's wrong. And this is what I think is going to happen. And at some point you just get to the, the, the area where you're like, I just want to know. And, and now I just want to know. And, and I want to be able to move on for whatever's next because I'm just so sick of having the same conversations every single day. Yeah. I'm ready for whatever's next. Definitely ready for whatever's next. Uh, I, I want to give a, a, a quick shout out to, uh, one of the players on the 2013 national title team. How about Michael Baffour, uh, a.k.a. Dark Slime, Russ Smith's best friend. He has been named the fifth region coach of the year in just his second season uh, as the head coach of North Harden High School. He was assistant at Mail for a couple of years, I-, I know, and did a great job there. I talked to him a little bit at the the Russ Smith jersey celebration uh, thing at the Yum Center after that game against Notre Dame, and he was talking about trying to get a head coaching job, and he's done a great job. So props to Dark Slime, fifth region coach of the year. Uh, that's a, a hell of a gig. National stuff real quickly. Former UConn head coach Kevin Ollie is the new head coach of the Brooklyn Nets, which is... I saw that. I still... NBA head coaching to me doesn't make any sense. I've, ne- I've, ne- I've never understood it. As somebody who grew up primarily watching college sports, you're like, like, like... I mean, when I saw Quinn Snyder was having success with the Jazz... I was like, that guy sucked at Missouri for like 15 years. They just <laughs> kept him around. But it's it's a different sport entirely. It's a totally different sport. I'm a much, much more avid NBA fan than I am college basketball. Okay. Um, fell in love with Kobe Bryant and Manu Ginobili as a kid. And ever since then, I've just always preferred it. And it's a to- totally, totally different ball game. Quinn Snyder is a like offensive guru in the NBA. And I've like I didn't I didn't watch him at Missouri, but I was always I've always been told he didn't know what he was doing. It's just a weird thing. Like it, just, it clicks for some people at that level, and it doesn't for others. And I mean, you know, like Rick Pitino, perfect example. John Calipari, terrible NBA coaches, great college coaches, yeah. and then you see the reverse sometimes. Uh, so we'll see how Kevin Ollie does with Brooklyn. Also, uh, Drell Sims, who had been the running backs coach at Louisville, fired, followed Scott Satterfield to Cincinnati. He now is leaving to take the same job at Tennessee. So props to him. That's a nice little upgrade. Dave Ragone, former Louisville quarterback, has been hired to be the quarterback's coach with the Los Angeles Rams. He was formerly the uh, offensive coordinator with the Atlanta Falcons. Props to him, uh, getting out there in L.A., coaching Matt Stafford. Not sure how much coaching you have to do there. That's that's fine. Whatever. It's going to be great. Uh, but Dave Ragone, getting ready to come back to Louisville at some point. Would love to see him here. Would love to make that happen. Uh, the only other thing that I wanted to talk about, Jeff Brom was was quoted. I thought this was interesting. Tennessee fans have picked this up. This Tyler Barron quote. Tyler Barron, of course, who was you know one of Tennessee's best defensive players last year. He hits the transfer portal. He goes to, to to Louisville to play for Jeff Brom. There was a question the last time Brom had media availability about like what, why, how did you sell Tyler Barron on coming to Louisville? And he said, I think he wants to go somewhere and basically play that new position of athletic edge rusher and try to play that position solely if he can. I think he was moved around a little bit at Tennessee, proving that he can be a great edge piece and rusher. Uh, that's what they we want to try to help him to do. So we're excited to get him here. And, you know, he gives us a lot of experience. Tennessee fans have taken that, that quote and they've run with it as some sort of just gigantic badge of disrespect. Like, of course, he was moved around here. Like, we're we're Tennessee. We've got more pieces than you do at Louisville. I'm like, for the millionth time, Tennessee fans, grow up. You're not what you were. You're not going to be that ever again. It's the new big dog in town in this area. It's not you. It's not you. Suck it, Tennessee. Get over it. 
I, I need some help here. And you, Roman can help out here. Trey, you, you don't like college basketball, so you probably can't help out that much. It's fine. Uh, text line can help out. 502-414-1450. So I'm doing a, a story for tomorrow. I'm doing the classic. You know, this time of the year, a lot of people love to do the thing where it's like, these are the eight teams that can win the national title. And they want me to do this for, for tomorrow. Not the not power ranking or the eight best teams or who do you think are the you know the eight teams like the the teams that are out there that have the, the ability to win a national title, and I think the first handful are, are obvious to me. I mean UConn to me right now it's it's UConn and everybody else. I think they're on a, a different level. I know that the analytics like Houston a lot. Some of them like Purdue even more than UConn, but UConn very real chance to be the first college basketball back to back national champion since Florida did it in 06, 07. Uh, I will put Houston in that group. I think they're good enough to win the national title this year. I think they've got a special offensive talent in Jamal Shedd, and they're incredible defensively, as always. I will put Purdue in the group. I've got significant questions about their ability to win in the NCAA tournament because they don't do it, but they've got the most dominant force in college basketball in Zach Eady. Uh, they went out and got a, a nice, good piece of their backcourt that has athleticism that they didn't have a year ago. And those freshman guards who sucked uh, against Fairleigh Dickinson, they're a year older. So I'll put them in the mix. I like Arizona. I'll put Zona in there. We've not had a West Coast national champion since 1997 when Arizona did it. I think that uh, Tommy Lloyd's a great coach. Caleb Love, for whatever reason, just seems to loves March, loves the clutch shot there. Kyle Boswell and Keyshawn Johnson are, are great supporting cast. They've got dudes out there that they haven't had. Um, the last couple of years when they've been bounced in the first uh, first or second round. I like Arizona a lot. Uh, I like Tennessee. They're in the group. Dalton Connect lights it up. They're incredible defensively. Like Purdue, they've got this reputation, the stigma for not being able to get it done in the NCAA tournament. Not saying that's going to change this year, but the pieces are. You get a couple of breaks, boom, you're in the Final Four. They can win a national title. Now it gets a little bit tricky. I'm picking North Carolina. I'm putting them in the group just because... Teams with blue blood talent kind of tend to rise to the top in March a lot. We saw it with Carolina a couple of years ago as an eight seed. RJ Davis can be a March hero. Armando Baycott's good for like 17 and 10 against bad competition. Cormac Ryan can get hot from three. Um, Harrison Ingram has been a great addition for them. Elliot Cadeau, freshman point guard, getting some minutes. It's a, it's a little bit dangerous. Carolina's been up and down. I don't like, I, I don't trust them, but I do think that there's a world where they get red hot in the tournament and wind up winning a national title. So I've got them in the group. Seven, this is, I want to say Alabama, even with the style, it's a little bit, I mean, Alabama's in that mix, Iowa State's in that mix, the metrics love Bama, they don't defend as well as they did a year ago, but I like Oates, I like Mark Sears a lot, I think he's an All-American. I'm going to put Alabama in there as seven. I've got no idea what to do with the eighth spot. Who is anybody coming to your all's minds here? I don't believe this team will, you know, accomplish. Sure. Like some think they will, but I, I think Marquette is right there as well in that eighth spot. I think right, that right I, I, there. I'm considering Marquette. I I like Marquette a lot. I think you're spot on before then, right? Like the, I think you're right in here right now is right when it gets hard. It's tough. I think Marquette, and you saw this on full display if you watch them play UConn on Saturday. There's a the same lack of athleticism that doomed them last year against Michigan State. I I worry. I mean, they're basically the same team they were a year ago. 
They just brought back everybody else from, from last season's team. And they were great, and they're really good this year. They play a fun style. Kolek's great. Uh, Cam Jones is a good secondary piece. But I worry that they're going to run into the same type of athletic, physical, defensive, in-your-face team in the second or third round, or maybe the Elite Eight, and they're just not going to have an answer because they had no answer for UConn on Saturday. So I think that, I, like, I, I'll be shocked if Marquette gets beat in like the first round or anything like that. And with the right matchups, they can definitely play in, into the second weekend. I just don't know if they can win at all. And I have the same issues with like Baylor, kind of the same way. Um, I, Kentucky, you have to at least consider because they've got so much talent. They can score with anybody. I, I've been lower on this UK team than a lot of people this entire season. It's not a rivalry thing. I just don't think that they have they them. can't defend. They can't defend. You know, they, they they held Auburn to 59 points, which is something. Like you have to at least acknowledge that. Yeah. It, was a, it was a hell of an effort on the road. But Auburn Auburn's also a team, they're kind of a front-running team. When they get you down, they just kind of like they will pile on cuz they've got freakish athletic dudes. But if you get physical enough with them and you and you're, you are athletic enough. Like they don't have like Pearl kind of runs a havoc style. They don't have a classic half court set to go into, and they don't have they have guys that are just loose, overly loose with the ball, and that makes me concerned about them. Like I think this Auburn team is probably going to be a two or a three seed. If they like, they're they're either going to win their first game in the NCAA tournament by like forty five points, or they're going to be life and death to win that game. Like I, I can see them getting rattled if some teams yeah. playing with them deep in the second half and just not really calming down and having an answer. Um, I like the team a lot; they've been really good. But I think there are concerns there, big picture wise. And UK played really well in that game, so I, I I can't. I don't think I'm going to include UK in the mix, but they're definitely being considered. I mean, Reeves could be a March hero, I guess. That young talent could step up. I think you have to consider Duke and Ju- Kansas. I haven't said Kansas yet, have I? I think I think Kansas, Kansas has to be the Kansas one. Kansas is weird because yeah, that was that was I was going to say either Kansas or Marquette. You're looking at one yeah. of those two, and Kansas. For me, they have some great wins this year, and they have some extremely weird losses. So that's tough to judge them, really, but I think Kansas is definitely a a strong team You know that could surprise someone, maybe. I forgot that I hadn't said Kansas. I mean, they got two potential first-team McDonald's All-Americans. Like, the star power, a lot of time wins out in March. McCuller's great. Uh, Dickinson is is going to play up the March villain thing. Yep. Uh, K.J. Adams is good. Like, there are missing pieces there, but I think they're good enough to get right and— Look, they could. The best team doesn't always win the NCAA tournament. Like they could be a two seed, and just everybody else gets knocked off, and they could be the best best team left standing. The matchups line up for them. Yeah, they, they they you know they avoid having to play UConn. They avoid having to play uh, you know whoever. That could absolutely happen. I think I think that's the eighth team. I, I think it has to be Kansas. If you have significant issues with that, come at me. I'm gonna write it tonight. It's gonna be on the site tomorrow. Go to SBNation.com. Read that. Iowa State. I mean, also, I, I like Iowa State a lot. I like the way that they play. I don't know if they can win it all, but they're they're good. Illinois. We haven't mentioned they, they've got star power. With Terrence Shannon. Yeah. He's, he, but Brad Underwood, another coach that doesn't get it done in the NCAA tournament. I don't know. Five zero two four one four fourteen fifty. If you have significant issues with that, I've got a couple other things that I want to hit on quickly after the break. Then we'll get to the text line. We'll run through as many texts as we can, and then we'll pick some games tonight for a pretty good slate uh, on the college basketball front here on a Tuesday. It's the Mike Rutherford Show. We'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap things up here on 1450 and 961, The Big X. 
Not a Crucial Tone original. I still love the song. Final segment here of the Tuesday edition of the Mike Rutherford Show, 1450 and 96.1, The Big X. Are you guys ready for the crazy story of the day? Let's hear it. It's time. So, there's this woman, uh, there was this woman named Cheryl Graham who had husbands who kept committing suicides. Sad story. But, what, two of the, the suicides specifically are insane. So, she has, she has a, her first husband kills himself in 1989. He's a organ donor. His, do- his heart goes to this guy who drives in down. To- she's from Hilton Head, South Carolina. Drives down to Hilton, South Carolina. Gets the heart. Has the surgery. Works perfectly. It's fantastic. Ten years later, she falls in love with this guy who got the heart of her old husband. Gets married. Three years after that, he kills himself. So people are like, well, maybe it's a heart gene thing. Maybe there's something going on here. It turns out, uh, after four days on, on life support, his machines got switched off when he was gone. Uh, his, his organs ended up being donated for she had she they look into this more. She had five different husbands who wound up uh, committing suicide, and in 2008 they discovered that she had probably killed all of them, and then she died. Yeah, there you go. What in the world? There you go. Look into it. It's on a. Uh, it's like one of the latest uh, true crime podcast things. Cheryl Graham story. Very weird. Very po- interesting. Was she poisoning them? How- poisoning. Uh, I think that there were a variety of just odd deaths. One of them, I mean, two of them like legit killed themselves, but she was. That is crazy. Very wild thing. One heart, two wives, two suicides is the, the headline there. Well done. Well done. 502-414-1450 is the Thornton Stacks line. On a much broader note, uh, we've got uh, Louisville baseball to get to tomorrow. Cards in action at Jim Patterson Stadium. 3 o'clock is the first pitch. The cards are taking on Xavier. Looking to bounce back from an 0-2 start last weekend in Florida. Louisville men's basketball, of course. Back at it tomorrow against Notre Dame at the KFC Yum Center. Micah Shrewsbury bringing in a fighting Irish team that is uh, riding a two-game winning streak. We'll talk more, a lot more about the game tomorrow. Cards are probably going to be favored in the game when the initial line comes out uh, for just the second time in the KP era against a ACC opponent. This is the, uh, the the game Louisville has to win to have a shot to not finish in last place in the ACC. That's how high the stakes are here in late February. Lose this game, and you're likely you're likely looking at a second straight last place finish in the conference. Win it, and boom, you're tied with Georgia Tech. You're uh, I think a half game back from Notre Dame. You got a shot to not play in the 15-10 game on ACC Tournament Tuesday. Uh, 502-414-1450, you got thoughts? Get them in here. We're going to have a good time. Texture says, um, Mike, with Eric Bledsoe joining the UK TBT team, can we finally get some clarity of the Algebra 2 issue? I mean, do you guys even know the story? I'm not familiar, no. You guys are probably too young. Roman, do you know the story? I have no idea. So Eric Bledsoe, of course, you know, came to the first UK team with John Calipari, the the the, the John Wall Demarcus Cousins team. He's on the team. He's the backup point guard. He was initially declared ineligible because he did not have the the academic requirements to play at UK. This mystery transcript gets found where he actually took all these summer courses that weren't initially on his his high school transcript, and included there were uh, I think the the fact that he took algebra three but not Algebra 2 or Algebra 1. He's that good at math. He just took Algebra 3. That's the way it works. So, yeah, that was the... Uh, he's so good at math, didn't even need the pre-courses. Didn't know that. Yeah, that's that's how good Eric Bledsoe was. Sandy Bell, doing her job well. 
Uh, I did love the graphic of what was it the uh, on All Star Weekend, which I mean, Roman, do you do the All Star stuff? Oh yeah, of course. I, I couldn't get into it. I couldn't do it. It's not. I mean, it's it's a disappointing game to watch, but I'm all into the three point contest and skills challenge. I watch it just to be watching it. Sure. I mean, I, I respect you for that, but like I, I I didn't watch much of it, but I did see the the SEC had the gall to tweet out most selections of any conference, and they put the graphic of, uh, I believe, their 10 players. And, of course, nine of them, <laughs> nine of them are U.K. players. And there's the, the uh, Tom Crean, Georgia, uh, right there in the middle. But I did enjoy seeing that graphic. I was like, this is just it's, – it's an all-time funny post. Like, why not – how are you possibly trying to – it's what U.K. does in football, though, with trying to claim the entire SEC – when they're not holding up their end of the bargain, the SEC is just riding Kentucky's coattails on this one. It was very funny. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Uh, Texture says, uh, new producer. Yeah. Roman's, Roman's, we were rocking with Roman. We're excited about this. I'm in here. I'm Roman, here. can you take a text line criticism if it happens? Yeah. Not saying it's happening now. I'm just saying in general. It might. It could. It's the show. You might get called a dweeb. Trey got called a dweeb yesterday. <laughs> Did you hear me? Did you hear that guy apologize earlier? By the yeah, way, yeah, Roman sent me. Uh, yeah, he sent me a picture. Yeah, of that. yeah. yeah I, I don't read it in a very serious voice. Apparently, <laughs> Texas says I would say that Illinois, Domask, and TSG can carry them. Hawkins is an X factor too. I don't hate the Illinois pick as as far as being a team. I don't trust Illinois at all because why would I after the last few years? But I get it. Texas says you can't leave Kansas out of the top eight, man. Yeah, you're, you're right. I took them for the natty because I thought the odds were too high. Kansas, they, they've got to be in the top eight. The metrics hate Kansas. Like they, I don't know why? Yeah, they, there's something missing with this Kansas team for sure. When you watch them play, like they just, like I said, they they have some weird some weird losses this year too. They they do, and they, you know, I mean, they're what like number six in the polls, and they're eight and five in conference play. Like they're just there's just there's something that's not there that should be. I don't know if they just haven't gelled. I don't know if Dickinson's so much of an a hole that they just don't have any team chemistry. But there's still enough star power they can get it done. I think you can't you can't leave them out of the top eight. I'm with you there. Texas Mike, you sound so confident that KP won't get a year three. And boy, I hope you're right because I can't even allow myself to get excited about whatever's next because of the fear that KP year three is next. We haven't done year three uh, fear radio this week at all. That's that's typically reserved for when we win games. Um, but I am confident that we're not going to have a third year of Kenny Payne. I'm not saying that that's like, I've got the, the the word that it's a done deal. It's gone. Like, sure, there's a chance. I I, I have no idea where Josh Hurts' head is right now. I don't know what he's thinking. Um, I just believe that rational thought will prevail and that the the reality of the situation will be so abundantly clear that you just, you cannot do this for a, a third year for such a variety of reasons. Can't even take the risk. You can't. You, 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 you really can. I mean, and if you pull the plug in the middle of next year because we get off to like a four and nine start with a bunch of non-conference losses again, like it, it's you're just a year farther behind. It's it's a waste of money. It's a waste of everybody's time. It's felt like this whole year has been a waste of time. I can't imagine what a year three would feel like. Um, Texas Roman sucks. I hate him so much. Welcome. There you go. <laughs> welcome to the show. Texas, welcome to the Roman Empire. Well done. Welcome. Texas, what about our our guy Scott Drew and Baylor? I would consider Baylor for like they could get going. They're just like they also are just a little bit like you know Scott Drew and Baylor. They came of to, to prominence the last few years 
based primarily off hard-nosed defense and just being dogs and getting after it. And They've lost a little bit of that. I don't know if it's Tang leaving for Kansas State, but they don't defend the way that they used to. Um, they're a really good offensive team this year. They don't have the type of defensive stars. They went out and they got the kid that I, I really wanted to get in the transfer portal last year, Ray J. Dennis from Toledo. I thought he could have really helped us out a lot. And he's a electric scorer, but he's not a terrific defender. Uh, Jacoby Walter's going to be a first-round pick, the freshman there. Uh, we started off really hot this year. He's kind of calmed down a little bit as the season's gone on, but he's a little bit you know, not great defending. It, it, their defensive identity isn't what it has been in most of the last five or six years. They're still very good. And, and I, mean, I guess it wouldn't shock me if they won the national title, but it would surprise me. I wouldn't have them in the top eight, but they could definitely make a run. Scott Drew's a good coach. Wouldn't hate seeing him here. Texture says, um, we'll get to the picks at the end of the show. I promise. I promise. Texas, Arkansas staff jumping ship. Too much fuss with Muss. We must move on from him. Motorboat for Oats. Are Arkansas coaches leaving? Is that happening? I haven't heard about that. Um, let's see. I no. I mean, unless something's happened that I don't, I don't really know about. I, I think that there is. The, there's stuff surrounding Eric Musselman that makes me a little bit nervous about taking him on for sure. And this is nothing new. This has been my general stance with Musselman for the last five years, which it's crazy to think that we've been talking about coaching searches three times in the last five years, but I feel like I've spent half my life on radio talking about Louisville men's basketball coaching candidates. And I'm ready to stop. I hope whoever we hire next is here for like 15 years and we can just not have to deal with this ever again because it does. it's fun for a while and then you realize it gets a little bit annoying. But Musselman, I, I think that there are things to really like I think that he is a guy who would you know, bring a lot of energy, bring a lot of fun right away to the program. He's going to get you players out of the transfer portal. It's what he's done. He did it in Nevada before it became a big thing. Uh, he's certainly been doing it in Arkansas. But I think that there, like X knows there are issues there, especially in late game situations where he's not been great at times. And, and then I, I, I do think there's kind of like a ticking time bomb thing where there's maybe some extracurricular stuff that would concern me about him getting in trouble here. And you, you know, if you're in a position that Louisville's not in, where you haven't had some stuff happen in your past, you can maybe take that risk. But Louisville can't afford to, to be a negative headline moving forward. Um, did you see the fight last night? College, yeah, the, 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 there was an insane fight last night in college basketball. It was the, uh, the end of the incarnate word Texas A&M Commerce game. Bad, bad fight. Worst fight we've seen this year. Handshake line. Should they outlaw the handshakes, folks? No. No, you can't. Right? I mean, am I wrong in thinking that that's a ridiculous position? Roman, should they outlaw the handshake line? I, I know. There's too much. No. No. Be be men like you're supposed to. And we have like 99.9% of games don't end with any issues in the handshake line. If they do, it's just kind of like talking back and forth. And and then this happens one time and, and everyone says we have to get rid of it. Just, you know, come on. It was a, it was a bad look. It was a bad situation. A poor if you've seen the video, there's like a like a, a poor support staff kid, like one of the student managers, tries to stop like the six eight just guy who's just making a beeline to to fight one of the incarnate word players, and he tries to stop and he just gets stiff armed into oblivion. It was it's bad. It, it's it's a terrible look. I felt God bless that kid for trying, but he should have made a business decision and just just gotten out of the way. But it's a bad fight if you haven't seen it. It was it was rough last night. 
Texture says, uh, does Roman like Arby's? And what are his thoughts on the looks of Taylor Swift? Could he outrun an alligator? And could he? does he think he could pole vault? These are all very important Rutherford Show producer questions. These are very important questions here. So I'll start off. Arby's, probably the best fries in fast food. One of them. If okay. not rallies. Curly fries, you can never go wrong. Uh, outside of that, you know, Arby's is really like a UFL tailgate, your football tailgate kind of a thing. You know, after the tailgate, you get Arby's and really never outside of that. <laughs> you should never be getting Arby's outside of the uh, post UFL tailgate. But I, I enjoy the curly fry. My issue with the curly fries, I feel like they get old. Like, there's almost like too spicy. Like, the first few are just fantastic, and then they, they fill me up yeah, way too quickly. A lot of seasoning on there. A lot really of seasoning. Salty. A lot of seasoning. But it's a good thing, you know. Two or three times a year, maybe. I'm with you on that. The uh, looks of Taylor Swift. Ah, oh, that's tough. Um, she's... Uh, that's tough. I, I, I don't have a comment on the looks of Taylor Swift. Mm. You can say she's mid, bro. She's very, very pale. Mm. And um, she's, she's you know, rather on the skinny end, which isn't an issue, but it's just not my full-on preference you can just say not your cup of tea not my cup of tea yeah i could most definitely outrun an alligator and i've never tried to pole vault i'll have to try (laughs) you're definitely gonna fit right in here uh he thinks he can outrun an alligator but he's not so far so willing to say that he could he could pole vault alligators don't have enough juke moves you know they can get (laughs) fast but can they can they stay with me you know i run routes uh Texas says in tribute to Mike saying that money won't be an issue for the new hire. Roman, can you play the song Money Ain't a Thing by Jermaine Dupree? Does, do, do the youngins even know that song? I know that one. Okay, there we go. Uh, he lives the life eating crab, watching ladies shake bleep all night. It's a great song for my youth. Uh, Texas says favorite Jack Harlow song. Mine? Yes. I'm assuming, I'm assuming these are all questions for Roman. Though. Um, That's tough. I don't know. Um, Favorite... Jack Harlow song would have to be, man, he has one. So I, I, you know, I've been around his music for for a lot of years. It wouldn't be any of his new newer stuff. I mm-hmm. think he's trying to appeal to the radio a lot, which he does well. But um, I like the song with Bryson Tiller. Yeah, what's it called? It's Through on the, the That's What They All Say album. I forget the name of it. Through the night or at everyone? No, uh, love, a, love is Dro. It's the Static one. Major feature on there. Love is Dro. He's got a static major feature from, I don't know how he got that, but he's got one. Fun fact. Mike Rutherford, first person to ever play Jack Harlow on the radio. Really? Very true. Back when we were doing, I mean, this is like the, the first Ramsey and Rutherford iteration when I'm on 93 down the Ville. We had like a listener. I, I, I need to, I always tell a story. And I, don't, I don't give the person the proper credit, but there was somebody who like texted me or DM me on Twitter and was like, I know you, you like rap. I think it was some kid. And he was like, he's like there's this kid at, at Atherton that you need to check out and like sent me videos. I remember the, the first one I saw was him just standing like in his driveway freestyling. And I, I can't remember what the, what the, what the actual verse was, like what the, the, the line was, but he ended it by like admitting that he was a virgin. And I was like, it was like, I was like Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He's like, he's like <laughs> knocking you. That's the song. It's got a few lines about like moms in there. I yes. Think too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I was like, this is, it was wildly impressive, and then I started like like watching more and more of the videos, and I was like, "All right, like this is gonna be a thing." And not that long after that, he came out with the the, the video and the song like that every night came yeah. out, and I was like, "You know, this is through the night, 
No, they, they every night. Every night? Yeah, you know we do this every night. He was it was the first one that I think he ever shot a video for. Um and it was very very like it was you, you, he was still in high school and I was like this is wildly impressive and I was I hit him up and I was like can I get the just like an instrumental version to play on the show and like cuz we can't play some of the lyrics and we actually we played it on the on the the show before we talked to Rick Patino and talked about it and I kind of went back and forth with him and I had this whole thing about like I'm telling you like this kid's he's even the next thing to come out of Louisville like it's going to be this big deal and like I've I don't think I've ever called a shot that's been that correct <laughs> when it came down to it but it was it was cool we were the first ones to to put them on the radio 93 on the field back in the cool. day yeah and we'll always have that going for us uh, if nothing else that will be that can be a calling card helped helped get his career off the mo- that's what I like to say I was I was talking to we went to the uh, the premiere of the White Man Can't Jump and Joey Wagner was talk, introducing me to his mom, and I was t- kind of telling her the story. And she's like, we need the OGs. I was like, yeah, you're damn right. We still do. Uh, Texas, speaking of handshake lines, today is the two-year anniversary of Jawan Howard hitting John Lure with the, <laughs> the one-hit acquitta. Uh, Jawan Howard just can't slap slapping people. Can't stop. He's, he's slapping Greg Gard. He's slapping uh, trainers, apparently. He's, he's, just, he's, he's got a violence problem. Texas, this guy's a natural. There you go. Okay, yeah. Texas says this kid, the new permanent producer. We don't have a permanent producer just yet. We're, 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 we're working on stuff. Like, this is all, it's a very fluid situation here. We're working on everything. We're getting everybody in here, but Roman's going to help us out. We're excited about it. It's going to be fun. Uh, 502-414-1450. You got about 10 minutes left to get your thoughts in there. If you want to uh, have your thoughts heard on the radio before we call it a day, on this Tuesday, it is a it, it's a nice slate of college basketball tonight. Trey, did you say first of all who is your boy? We, we had Deshaun who was in here yesterday. Yes, correct. I yeah. got to give him props on the radio because he's he's before I leave, he's like Mike. What do you think about this? And he's laying out this whole basis for a bet on William and Mary to cover yeah. against Charleston. And I was like, I'm not gonna talk you out of it, man. Like <laughs> it, it seems like you've thought this thing through way more than I have. So I, I was like, because I mean, I was like, all I know, I know William and Mary sucks this year. I know Charleston's fine, but they're not great. And he was like, well, you know. He hit it. Boom. Done. Gosh, yes. Yeah, that's a nice hit for you guys. Yeah, we threw 50 ETOs. And a boy. Uh, yeah, because he, he was like, yeah, he's like, he's like, William and Mary, they haven't lost by more than 10 in their last 10 games. And the last time they played Charleston, they only lost by one and all this stuff. And I was like, dude, it sounds like you've thought this thing through. I'm not going to go for it. Yeah, 18 and a half is a big number. And William and Mary, I think, was leading at halftime and ended up covering very easily. So props to you got Deshaun. We need to get him on for big X, big bets. I think. Need him. Shout out to Deshaun. Got me a $5 into 65 for that parlay. There it is. God, I should have bet it a lot harder. I'm having a rough time. I, I, I'm just, I, I'm picking winners on the show, and then I'm not not going home and betting them. I don't, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't, know, I don't know what I'm thinking. But we've got uh, a, a nice slate of college basketball. What's the the only other thing that I see in my inbox that I had on my list today is, I am. We're we're getting closer and closer to like mock NBA draft talk, and I'm I'm already sick of what's going to be the dominant storyline surrounding the 2024 NBA draft, or at least the buildup which is whether or not Bronny James is ready for the draft because, I mean, he's not. Like, the, there's, there's no way. If Bronny James was, you know, Ted Jacobson, like, he, he's on nobody's list. He's playing small minutes. He's average minutes and putting up average numbers for a not very good USC team. But this is the talk. Like, LeBron wants him to be a one-and-done. He wants to play with him and – you know, there, there was a big story. The Raptors had a scout at the USC-Colorado game or whatever it was, which if the Raptors have a scout at the Colorado game, they're there to scout Cody Williams, who's going to be the highest, might wind up being the highest uh, pick 
from a player who actually is playing college basketball right now. But the Bronny James stuff, I, I'm already. It feels like it's unfair to the kid. He seems like a great kid. I, he's handled this all really well. But I'm so sick of this <laughs> this talk already because it seems ridiculous. The Bronny situation is weird for me because a lot of people don't seem to understand, like on a surface level, the kid has no reason to want some of the things that people want for him nearly as much as his dad did you know like he has no mom to buy a house for that he's no family that he's trying to go take care of he's not you know some man of the house that needs the money asap he has every reason to take his processes however which way he wants to and i think it's funny that there's so much debate is the nba ready yet is the nba ready yet it doesn't matter (laughs) if i'm him i mean there are worse lives to live than being the big man on campus at usc for like four years like that's that's not a terrible life and and he is like there are tools there for sure when you watch him play i think he does a good job at not trying to do too much individually he seems to have a good feel for how to play uh team basketball he's got more talented guy i mean isaiah collier's on that team and he's a more talented prospect than than Bronny james is so like there are reasons to like Bronny james and there are reasons to believe that he could develop into being a really really good college player over the course of the next three or four years but the narrative is all about how his dad wants to play with him in the NBA. And his dad is is 39. There's a big difference between being 40 and 43 and, and playing with your you know with your son. And I do feel bad for him. Like you said, like he doesn't have any financial needs. He doesn't have any reason to to want to leave the life that he's living leading at USC right now outside of just wanting to fulfill this kind of prophecy that his dad who may be the greatest NBA player of all time has been talking about for the last nine or ten years, and I hate that he kind of has that pressure because it might wind up leading to him. You know, he goes and plays in the NBA for one year and plays with his dad, and then you know, he's a role player for the rest of his career, or is out of the league in two or three years and is playing in in, in Europe, and you know, he can still make a good living, or maybe he just doesn't want to play at that point. Maybe he'd rather just use the last name to go into business and and work for some of his dad's companies. But yeah. I, I get the sense that he would kind of prefer just to play college basketball for a few more years and he's probably not going to get that opportunity, which I feel like is. Yeah, it's weird. I think he has every reason to stay and every reason to want to, and I think he's also knows that he's a guaranteed draft pick if he goes to the yeah. draft. So that's tough to tough to think about when you know you've got that other side of trying to fulfill something that a lot of people want. So almost like him for sure. Uh, Sam Vecini, friend of the program, came out with his latest mock draft for The Athletic. Uh, he does not have a, a college basketball player being taken in the top three. He's got Cody Williams, uh, previously mentioned, from Colorado going fourth overall. And then Stephon Castle, who's been a fast riser for UConn, the freshman there, who's great, uh, going at number five overall. He does have um, a handful of Kentucky players getting drafted. Reed Shepard goes 11th to the Bulls. Rob Dillingham goes 14th overall to the Pelicans. And then it, uh, there's not another UK player in the first round. Gigi Wagner's a second-round pick. Uh, and then uh, Justin Edwards is a second-round pick as well, 52nd overall. This is a guy that was in a lot of people's mock drafts at number one overall going into the season. And look, this is what happens. Speaking of, we'll bring Jack Harlow up again. Uh, I'm, I'm refereeing his celebrity kickball tournament. Justin Edwards, kind of an ass to me. Boom, he goes from number one pick to number 52 pick. That's what happens. Always be nice to the umpires at these <laughs> things. That's the lesson here, folks. Um, Texter says... My uncle has been texting me for weeks to bet William and Mary to cover. He's convinced they're the best bet in basketball. Is William and Mary like a, a covering machine? Like I, again, like I don't know the gambling nuts and bolts of it. I know they're like eight and twenty. This is not a. <laughs> I love William and Mary basketball because they are. I, I keep track of this every single March. 
they're one of the four now original D1 programs that has never been to the NCAA tournament. So I, I always keep track of them and um, uh, Army. It used to be St. Francis of Brooklyn. Now they don't even have a program anymore. They shut down after this year. And I can't remember the fourth one now. The Citadel has never been to the NCAA tournament. Northwestern was in that group for a long time. They broke out. So I always like keep an eye on William & Mary. And they're, they're terrible this year. I didn't realize there was some sort of covering machine, though. But props to them. Uh, Texture says, hey, come on, guys. <laughs> uh, Texas, looking forward to listening to you more. There you go. Texas says, uh, yeah, yeah, I, I can't read your own stuff. All right, let's talk about college basketball tonight. It's always some of the games we got going on. Uh, Tennessee is the highest ranked team playing, or no, the, the first ranked team playing tonight, number five, taking on Missouri on the road. The biggest game of the night will probably be the at 8.30 on FS1. UConn, number one team in the country, looking to avoid taking just a third loss of the season. They're on the road taking on Creighton, who kind of needs a big-time win if they want to get back up into being uh, a, a top-four seed. They were not in that sweet uh, the 16-team seed reveal. Again, 8.30 FS1. UConn's a two-and-a-half-point road favorite. Uh, Roman, kick us off. Who do you like here? I like UConn. I think they get the job done safely. Trey? Thoughts? Uh, UConn to win and cover. I mean, the, the line is set up. They want you to bet on UConn, right? Like, this is the way that it's set up. That is a little weird. Yeah, they're, Vegas is trying to pull some tricks, I think. But Vegas thinks that, they, that Creighton's going to win this game. Like, they are they are daring you to bet on Connecticut here. Uh, these two teams uh, have already played once this season. UConn won at home 62-48. to Creighton has – they've won three in a row. They're playing a little bit better since a rough stretch. Uh, like, I, you know – Creighton was another team that I considered in that national. I think they have a chance to make a run to the Final Four. I still like. I think UConn is just better than everybody in college basketball right now. And, and I'm not saying that they're going to win out. They probably have another loss or two at some point on their schedule. I don't think it happens tonight. I think they're going to win tonight. I'll say that two and a half is too small not to take. Uh, I'll say UConn wins and covers. I'm not going to bet it myself because I don't feel great about it, but I, that, that's the prediction. The other matchup tonight of two top 25 teams going at it, number 11 Baylor, on the road, taking on number 25, BYU, former Louisville assistant Cahill Fennell. And the Cougars still with that ridiculous offense. The metrics love this BYU team, even though they're just 6-6 six and six in the Big 12. They're a four-and-a-half-point home favorite here. Roman, who you got? I like Baylor to win outright. Okay. And I am a betting man, so I'm going to play it safe, and I've got Baylor plus six. Uh, I like that. Teasing it up. Trey, who you like? I like Baylor to win. I don't know if I'm confident enough to put that on the slip, so I may just run with the Baylor spread. Um, DraftKings has it at plus four right now, so I think that's what I'm going to go with on my slip tonight with that one. Every time I bet on Baylor to win on the road, they like come so close, and then they lose the horn. Like That's happened to me, I think, three times yeah, this year, and it's been, it's been pretty rough. Uh, BYU, by the way, the largest home crowd, average home crowd in the entire Big 12. Like They do not mess around. They draw ridiculous crowds out there in Provo. Um I think BYU is going to win this game. Yeah, the crowd's the only worrisome part. That is a true home atmosphere. So it could get sticky for Baylor. Ball and Mormons. They're going to get it done. BYU, I like that bet tonight. They win this game. Uh, I'm going to say they slight cover. They win by five, cover the four and a half. Regardless, it should be a good night of hoops. Enjoy your Tuesday night. We're back here tomorrow at 3 o'clock. We will talk to you guys then. Go Cards.